Good afternoon, everyone. This is a doctor and a lawyer walking to a podcast. The date is September the 10th, 2023. I'm your North Texas attorney, Sean. And before I introduce my guest and my all-time host, co-host, Dr. Blom, I would like to say happy birthday to my grandmother, who turns 95 today. Um, so shout out to her and welcome back, Dr. Blom, from your trip to Europa. Hello. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm not a guest. I am a co, uh, co-person. Co- co-human. I'm co-humaning. <laughs> and uh, definitely happy birthday, Sean's grandma. That's great. I hope she is uh, partying, doing keg stands and all the uh, all the birthday stuff that a grandma do. She, do you get her, uh, do you get her uh, person due to pop Dark. out of a cake? Dark chocolate. She likes dark chocolate. Yeah, so, I mean that's a that's a popular one. So ninety five uh, years old. That's up there. That's that's a pretty darn good run. Yeah, definitely get her get her a, one of those uh, magic mic guys pop out of a cake. Or uh, I mean, he'll <laughs> I slowly. I would get him to slowly emerge from the yeah, cake because don't you don't s- want to do anything too get sudden. Get her heart pumping right? too quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't the. Uh, the aorta bifurcation starts whoa, 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 pumping whoa, a little dude. too hard there. Sometimes it's good to like, um, you know, when you have elderly family and get a birthday, get them something like a four wheeler and I get yeah. a big bow, bow on it and say, um, Hey, let me, uh, let me just uh, break it in there for you. And uh, <laughs> they might not remember that you took I, off with it. They'll remember got, the, I got you this bass fishing boat, grandma. <laughs> Sometimes it's the spirit that goes towards the gift as opposed to the actual gift. So happy birthday to Sean's grandmother. That's a, that's fantastic, man. That's a, I don't think I'm going to make it that long. I don't uh, either. I was doing yeah. the math in my head. So she was born 1928. So, which right around some of the stuff we're going to be talking about later today. Seen some shit. Yeah. You should have got her as a guest to tell us, you know, firsthand what it was like to punch a Nazi in the throat or whatever. <laughs> so you're back. I know we just released an episode. There was a break, a couple of mm-hmm. weeks. You were traveling around. And how was the trip? Uh, it was so good. Let me say, first of all, leading into this, this was a trip I've had for a long time. I went to Norway. And, uh, no way. Uh, no way, Norway. And I had it before. I had actually booked it before COVID, right before COVID, then COVID happened. I had to cancel. So that trip was booked, canceled, booked, canceled three or four times. I think by the fourth time I was like, come hell or high water, I'm going. It'd been on my bucket list for so long to get over there. So my family's not from Norway exactly, but they're kind of in that neck of the woods. And it was, it was gorgeous. It was amazing. I almost don't want to talk about it because I don't want it to be I don't want it to become this big touristy explosion. You know, people listen to our podcast and then a week from now, then there'll be a million people Everyone's descending like, oh, on, on I Norway. I want some smoked fish all and of our, All rain. of our millions of followers. Yeah, we picked up some, oh, oh by the way, I uh, got some Norway followers because of, you know, my people skills. Sometimes I turn it on. And nice. uh, so hello, hello to our new Norwegian uh, listeners, sub subs. Did and, they all speak uh, English there? Everyone I spoke to spoke English. Some, mostly some better than others, uh, some of them perfect. And so, uh, I did not need really any Norwegian for, for our interactions. Uh, I think maybe once or twice I did a little bit of the, of the hand motions, you know, I've like made right. a motion like beer, beer. I get beer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was an amazing trip. Uh, definitely my advice to most everyone, 
don't put things off like that. I should have done it 10 years ago when I first thought about it. And now I'm very inspired to start, you know, knocking off other bucket list trips immediately. So we, we got the kids out to empty nesting. We actually, this is, we, whatever, we started empty nesting on a Thursday and then we flew out on a Saturday, something like that. It was, it, it was literally Bing, like, bang, the boom. <laughs> yeah. So couple of things is I stayed at, we stayed at the, um, at the hotel, I say hotels like cabins. So there's a movie called Ex Machina, which I really liked. And this is one of the things that kind of inspired the trip is that I learned that there was, uh, I say hotel, there are uh, cabins out there. So the movie was filmed partly from those cabins, from that, from that property. Also, I learned while we were there, oh, they just mentioned casually, uh, uh, episode of Succession was filmed, well, part of the episode of Succession was filmed there, the last season of Succession. So we were literally, literally at dinner at the chef's dinner and, some, and somebody said, why did you come here? I said, ex machina, of course. And they said, oh, uh, ours is succession. So oh. we, we loved it. I, I have, you know, good things, bad things to say about the particular, or good things, not great things to say about uh, that very short portion of the trip. But the other 99.99% of Norway, I loved it. The rainy days, the sunny days were gorgeous. Just, I can't say enough good things. I uh, definitely want to go back and we, we did it. I think that we did it right, that we didn't go to Oslo. We didn't go to big cities. We went to one pretty famous city, Alasan, which is gorgeous. And everyone said it was going to be gorgeous. It's not big, not a large city, did the rental car and then just tooled around all over, um, yeah. exactly the way that we want to do it. I highly, highly, highly recommend. I don't like being stuck on a train. I don't like being stuck on a cruise. A lot of the cities that we went to or the, the towns, they had cruise drop-offs to them. I, like, I loved seeing all of the photos from the top of the mountain restaurant, mm. the funny names with too many consonants in it and too many syllables, I'm Thank assuming. Thank God that we live in the day and age with GPS because I would still be in, in Norway right now. I'd be uh, way up in the mountains, you know, probably just like a loincloth and trying to set up bear traps so I could have lunch. So yeah, the, the very long names when you're looking for streets and towns and all that, and the very, very Nordic names, saw a couple of Viking ships. There was a, there was a, um, like reproduced Viking ship. That was amazing. So loved, loved every minute of it and would definitely go again. And I don't want to have smoked fish all the time. They were mm -hmm. very proud of their smoked fish. I, I learned on the trip, and I pretty much knew this already. I think, well, obviously Americans do, the U.S. does a lot of food, the best in the world. But especially our breakfast, our breakfasts, who are just are really oh, great. Yeah. I'm, you I'm get the American Grand Slam from Denny's. They just... love waffles. Okay. And for, and for breakfast also. So waffles, they had yogurts and fruits and things like that. But they also had smoked fish, and they had uh, like this fermented, uh, fermented fish thing, which... That's not mm. good breakfast, lunch, or dinner ever. No, say. no thank you to that. Oh, the, all the Norwegians that we spoke to and met were great, nice. I think maybe one chef that irritated me because he refused to make my steak the way I wanted it. He served it up super bloody. I'm gonna fry that guy on uh, on TripAdvisor.com. Look out there! Look out did there! Run, did you run into a bunch of other Americans? not so much just uh just here and there the thing is is that we went the tail end of august and so this is kind of 
you know, people going back to school. Back to school we, yeah. we did not want to deal with tourists and crowds and all that crap. This was this was not a staying in the city kind of trip. This was out in the outskirts, way up in the mountains. How did, how did you identify your region? Were they like, oh, are you American? You're like, no, I'm Texan. Like, yeah, yeah, I would say U.S. and almost invariably they they would say what part of U.S. So a lot of the world, and I assume large parts of Europe, they're just very interested when you say, like, if I met a European person and they said, I'm from Europe, it's well, you know, what part? and if they said the country, then mm -hmm. I might, you know, play along and act like, like, oh, are you from the north or from the south? Like, I know. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, just, being, <laughs> just being polite. Everyone knows uh, Texas, though, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. And there were there people asked about Texas and then they were like, guns? I'm like, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. There's, there's... Dallas Cowboys? So go, yeah. go Cowboys. Um, yeah, loved it. Everyone was super nice. Uh, some of the food could be not for everyone, but mm -hmm. luckily we we were very fortunate that we found a lot of American friendly, you know, bars that slash grills and so on. Went to, well, I went to one place. I was just like, give me enchiladas right now. Oh my God. It had only been like a week. And I was just like, I need Mexican food. They're the, it's the worst Mexican food you've ever had, but it tasted it was, so good. <laughs> I don't think it was great. I think, I think no. in my mind, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, there's, I think, yeah, I think you, that's with any time you get out of the U S like you're I've traveled, you know, Southeast Asia and things like that. And you eat some weird food there that you're like, this is not for me, but then they mm -hmm. have really, really great things that we don't have that so i get it Un it's always universal fun. healthcare <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah there was there was plenty of food that um that i didn't hate i was just like yeah this is not really for me and mm -hmm. i i assume a lot of people are like that with their with their food and their creature comforts and um anyway loved it I would I would not focus on any part at all. I could say, oh, there were some rainy days or whatever. I wouldn't focus on that. Ninety nine point nine nine percent loved it. There it was a lot of postcards sent John Esquire picks almost every day. Gave him some video updates like, oh, today I did this trek, whatever. We did uh, not heavy duty treks. I think we had one heavy duty day of hiking up into the mountains which was magical and beautiful. And then there was a waterfall and just everything was gorgeous. My, and loved it. my favorite picture was the, um, when y'all went to the beer fest and they had their low grade whiskey beer, uh, yeah, I call so it low grade you... whiskey beer. Cause it was beer that was above a 20% alcohol. Uh, yeah, that was a, was that British? So we, yeah, we no. did a food, we did a, we did a food and, uh, wine, wine, beer, food fest about a week into the trip and it was one of these things that just fell into fell into our laps when you travel abroad everyone i'm i'm not always a let's talk to strangers kind of guy i'm not, I'm not always, always like the most i'm not always the like most like talking to people in, in particular i get very stuck in my head on a lot of things uh and so you could be talking to me i'm just like zoning out this i don't mean to do it on purpose but that that's kind of me <laughs> but in, vaca in vacation mode kind of having drinks and sort of like, Hey, what do you got going on in this town? All right. Yeah. So yeah, we had a ra random interaction. This lady was, uh, Oh, the beer and wine food fest. I'm like, we're going to that. So it was great. A lot of fun. Yeah. And I did have at the, at the beer, wine food fest, there was that 20 percenter. Uh, I, I looked up all the beers that I drank while I was there. I don't remember that one in particular. I, I, uh, sent you a text on it. Do you remember? I, I really thought it was a Brit beer. I don't know if it was local. I, no, it had like a uh, a Viking thing on it or something. Oh, well, so that was the 10 percenter. 
Well, yeah. there was that one, and there was like a twenty. The twenty, the twenty percenter. Can I remember off the top of my head? I have a I have a list of them that I made just uh, just for us. I'm gonna try to not tackle them all at once. But yeah, I did have a twenty percenter over there. So loved uh, love Norway, love the people, food great for the vast majority of it. Uh, not as good as American food. American food number one. And uh, and I'm glad I hadn't done a lot of reading leading up to the trip. I'm glad that we went August, late August, because everyone said, you know, you don't you don't want to go during the winter time on your first trip and all that. Did not go up into the Arctic Circle. Stayed a lot of the West Coast and part of the South. And like I said, this was basically seeing seeing the fjords, seeing the seeing the fjords, fjords. seeing the, the mountains and um, all of that. Those towns, these little coastal towns and loved it thank you thank you norway thank you norway people definitely going back and oh, definitely planning I I, more trips i think i found it was a 22 percent mm -hmm. imperial stout wide bay brew 1349 yes. so that was an english beer mm, i'm trying this, to think off the top of my head this photo you sent me they had a fructig belgisk blonde 6.3 that imperial stout and then they had a cider which I know you didn't try the cider. But. Yeah, so it was one of these, you know, whatever. It's like ten dollars, and they give you this tiny glass, it's and like then you flight. just go around. You go around from all. No, it's like free for all. Like here's your tiny glass. Go drink them up, and then they give you these tokens, and then you vote on the on the beer guys. So okay. There was a local local guy that was not too far outside of Alisson. I liked his a lot. There was definitely some Brits there for sure. I remember talking to them briefly. And uh Yeah, this not, is not a British beer. Not a British beer. No, their Dude. their whole language it looks to be like Nordic area. Probably Nordic, yeah. But yeah, yeah. the twenty two percenter was not a joke. I think I had two small ones of those and immediately I was like, Okay, let's go get some greasy food because I need to I need to pace. <laughs> I did that's this was like noon, like we had just started the food fest. I was like, Okay, immediately you gotta start pacing. So yeah, loved it. We'll, right. we'll definitely go again. Good trip. So, um, other follow up. You had sent me a text on this too. Alien shotgun pellets, I believe, is what I refer to it as. Yeah. So there was a story that I say broke in the in the last month or so, and this was a scientist out of Harvard, I think, Avi Lobel or L O E B Loeb. Loeb. And so uh, he's got some interviews on YouTube and this and this. There was a meteor uh, fell, on, I say fell into the ocean, smashed into the ocean uh, years ago, not, not years and years ago. This was in the last 10 years or so. And then whatever happened that now they had just kind of stumbled upon that they found alien debris, what he, what he and him and his team had been calling it or have, yes, they have been calling it in the last, I think the first publication from them was in the last six months or so. And he had made a claim that this was material from outside of our solar system, interstellar. So mm. only, only be, and then plus the fact that it's these round BBs, there's nothing really in nature that does that, you know, metal wise. I mean, if you, if you get a cup of water, you throw it, you know, over your balcony, it'll form spheres because that's, you know, that's how it works. Um, but for natural solid materials to be perfect, spheres multiple like that that's uh that's intelligent engineering and now in the last week or so i've seen other publications that a lot of the science community is saying no it's not true he doesn't really have good data to support those 
those claims and very exciting possibility. Obviously, the jury is still out. Who are those scientists that are that are debunking him? Do they really work for the CIA? We don't know. They work so, for the shotgun industry scientists. Somebody who, oh, that's that what happened? The shotgun people spilled a bunch of BBs in the ocean. They're like, oh, that's not us. We didn't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't blame the aliens. So it's, it's irritating. It's very irritating that there's probably some great evidence for aliens, as we've discussed, those, re- those recent congressional hearings that we covered episode 19, I want to say. We've, we've covered it, everyone. Go back and... Um, we're, we're on top of these things, but this one in particular, it's fairly new. It's obviously hotly debated within the scientific community. Well, I'll, I'll stay on top of it as best I can, but I need them to, you know, do a consensus and come together, whatever they're going to do. But I feel right now this guy is, they're going to say he's gone rogue. Maybe he's gone rogue. Maybe he's not the best scientist ever. He faked so, it and put it all there and they'll discredit he, him. And then 30 years from now, we'll get a true a lot, lot of possibilities. He's he's a charlatan or he's legit and the uh, scientific community. Uh, and so it's very hard to get real stories when it comes to the possibility of aliens. As I've said before, I'm a believer. And the older I get, the more I think that they've either almost definitely been here before uh, or they're, you know, they come back or they're hanging around now, whatever the case may be. So I'm, I'm a believer. I can't tell you ex- exactly but they are they living in the oceans or living underground? Are they, you know, buzzing around invisible? But something. I mean, they have better technology than we have. So believer, believer on my end. Another follow-up on last episode, I briefly mentioned Barry Seal. Mm-hmm. And I blinked on the movie, the Tom Cruise movie that covers Barry Seal and that whole connection with Bush Sr. and uh US government running cocaine out of Columbia. <sighs> anyway, the movie is called American Made. Tom Cruise, I highly recommend it. If you want to read the book on Barry Seal, probably the best book for him is a book called Barry and the Boys. Also highly recommend. I also blanked on the name for the uh, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Bush, their, their whole thing that they were doing. That was the project of the New American Century, the New American Century. And also finally, at least for me on follow-up, is the Indian Moon Mission and subsequent mission. So... While I was away, I was watching, you know, trying to, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on news. I was, most of the trip, honestly, I didn't have, as you know, I didn't have internet connection. I would like, I would text Sean, uh, I would text Sean Esquire at the end of the day, once I got back to the hotel or whatever and say, here's, here's some things that I do. Look up these beers. These beers are amazing. So as far as the Indian moon mission goes, if it actually happened, I'll say congratulations, but it just doesn't look real to me. That that whole landing, it looks like Atari 1982. If you're a fan of Adult Swim, it looks like the Moon and Nights, the the yellow thing, the the lander and everything. And I I read up on that. Stand by. Here I am dropping my beer bottle opener. They said that what that was a digital depiction of mm-hmm. what was actually transpiring. That has been my question since I got back. And since I got back, I kind of hit the floor running and been doing a hundred other things. So that's what I was looking for. But however, I did see the footage where they have the camera on the, I, I guess it's like on the, oh, leg, the rover, the leg of the ran, of the lander. So you can see okay. the, the, the lander, like getting close. You, you can see the moon surface. Sorry, hiccups over here. Uh, you can see the moon surface and the craters. 
And then the surface gets closer, 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 and then boom, touchdown. So mm-hmm. that, you know, very well could, could be the case. But the, the, the yellow thing, I really hope that's a CGI, um, what do you call it? Reenactment or yeah, whatever. It, it looked terrible even for mm-hmm. like 1990 standards. <laughs> it, it looks like, I, I'm saying it looks like an eight bit video game from the eighties. Mm-hmm. So I hope that that yellow lander, and again, I apologize on the <laughs> I was kind of seeing it where it just shoots like the the boosters out, and it's just like moving like it. It looks, and then they and then they have the the rover, you know, comes mm-hmm. out, and and again, it looks like something that you would expect from a Saturday morning cartoon from 1985. Yeah. I really hope that's not their footage. And then people make the comment of saying, "Oh, well." How did they have the camera? They, they made the same comments for the Apollo missions. How did they have a camera on there before it landed? So there's previous missions that had gone there. So India is very proud of itself. And again, we've covered before, like, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to stay on top of space, space stories, alien stories. That's, I love all that. But the, the reason why there's so much concentration, we've, we've covered this on the last few episodes for the South Pole of the moon is because there's less sun, there's less sun there. There's some, um, I say moon mountains to like hide behind to set up bases and things like that they think they found some water there on those uh again more more pellets and they think that they've found the possibility of precursors for rocket fuel so if they have all that stuff then they'll put they'll put bases there and there's all the stories about the possibility of helium-3 and the 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 rare elements that are they're very difficult they're not rare as far as the earth is concerned they're just very very difficult to get out of the ground now, those are the reasons why china us india multiple you know we covered 14 15 different countries and private industries that are trying to all they're all concentrating on south pole of the moon so i'll i'll keep following all the moon stories as far as india is concerned um I hope that's CGI. If they just come out and say, hey, man, that's CGI, it's reenactment, I'll say, okay. The the one that I saw from the camera on the leg of the lander, that certainly could be could be legit. Mm. And also, uh, yeah, there's an English guy that got in trouble because he had told Indy, he's like, if you have enough money to go to the moon, then you need to give us our billions of dollars. This guy's in, in hot water, because I don't know if you know this or not, like, England doesn't have the best history with him with india no so yeah i i would i would not entirely disagree except for the fact that it is it is england and they, they do have a complicated history so i'm gonna let them work that out between yeah. india and then it's not us hey we're we're the u.s so as far as honest science honest space stuff goes i'm gonna i'm gonna say high five every time and also anytime media mass media is involved i'm also gonna say well you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't believe everything I read, everything I see. So if, if you did it, India, high five to you, Namaskar, Namaste, Namaskar to India. If you, if you actually did it and then they have a follow-up mission right now, where, where they, they went to the moon recently. And then, uh, what's this, this other mission they have going on right now, where they're going. Oh, going to the sun. To the sun. <laughs> Again, it's like. Why? A little one. Why are you going to the sun? They're going to go no, mine minerals. Okay. They're from the South Pole. It's the cooler. South Pole. South Pole. It's the sun. It's cooler down there. Again, yeah, maybe. And as as far as I know, India doesn't have the biggest budget in the world. I know for a fact the U.S. has given them billions of dollars. 
So they can get mad and say, oh, who's who is the UK? Who's England to, to talk about how much money they've given us and they've stolen so much from us, whatever. US doesn't, you know? And yeah, there's, there's a, there's a whole bag of worms, political I think, bag of worms what, here. Isn't the, I know that the, uh, was it NASA or space? I think probably NASA. One of them was working on a, a sun mission. And I think it's to mm-hmm. figure out like the solar flares and solar winds and to protect like our satellite system. NASA has a number of sun monitoring. Um, I don't know about departments. But yeah, NASA's on top of it. I don't think that NASA has flown a rocket ship to the sun, as far as I know. I like to think that I, I know all the major NASA mis- missions. Tom so, Hanks did not go to the sun in a Yeah, very, movie. very, uh, I don't know. How many U.S. flags do you think we've put on the sun? At least a dozen, right? Well, yeah, minimal. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I will, again, we're going to do our best to stay on top of all this. Buzz Aldrin's uh, going to the sun. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Is gonna have his uh, his second honeymoon is on the is is gonna, on the sun. He's gonna put his plaque up there. That's all I have for follow up on my end. Unless Sean Esquire, you have any follow up? Almost never. I got nothing. No. Yeah, I know. You know, you don't make any mistakes on anything like that. Also, so that means. What does it mean? Hey, there it is. Beer talk. Sean Sorry. Esquire, what are you drinking this week? I am going back to my tried and true Polliner Oktoberfest. Sean Esquire so, has his giant uh, glass mug, glass mm-hmm. beer sign. It looks gorgeous. The beer looks gorgeous, by the way. I, I know Polliner very well. Yeah, I've when had I this a, one before and I've picked it up again. Which which Polliner is it? Sorry. Just their Oktoberfest uh, <sighs> regular. Can't go wrong. Weird. No, I mean that's and, not that's not I, regular. I'm trying to. I I know that I've already had it, but I'm trying to take advantage of the Oktoberfest. So absolutely, Oktoberfest is a great time of year. Who who does a crappy Oktoberfest? Yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, people that that abide by speckled hen, the, the, the German German everyone maybe not speckled hen doing a great job. Uh, that would be great, by the way, if their Oktoberfest was just mind blowing and like the rest of the year <laughs> was just not so great. They're like, they, they spent it all, they spent all their R and D on, on the Oktoberfest and the rest of the year, they're like, uh, just bear with us until Oktoberfest rolls around. <laughs> so we blew our whole budget on Oktoberfest. Um, yeah, I think anybody that abides by the German purity law of 1516, uh, I've never had an Oktoberfest that, that I didn't, that I didn't love or like at least. The only one that I thought about getting over this was the Manhattan Project, which they're a, I think a Dallas brewery. I've had some of their other IPAs I really like. The one beer I forgot to get was when we reviewed Oppenheimer. They have a beer called Hoppenheimer, which is like a IPA beer. It's got the little nuclear bomb on the can. Uh, but they that's not that's not new, right? They've had that for a while. They've had that, yeah, they've had that for a while, but they released a, I saw at the grocery store, Manhattan Project Oktoberfest, and I almost got picked that up. So I might pick it up later this week just to try, but for the podcast, I wanted to go back to, you know, a good European beer. Shout out to all of our, our listeners over there. Yeah. Shout out to the, the established listeners and, and the, uh, and the newbies as well. And yeah, so Paul, Paul, I can't go wrong. And I don't know if I've ever had a Oktoberfest that I didn't like, 
and I don't want to get too hard at myself on, on Oktoberfest from my end. You know, in the last few years, I've kind of gone back and forth between Shiner and Sam Adams. There's a lot, there's so many that just do a great job, but they're hard to find sometimes. So sometimes you gotta, you know, play the cards that you're dealt and the, um, what beer are you drinking this week? This week I, I have, well, a couple things before I get into that one is I want to give a special shout out to some of the beers that I had on my travels. Oh yeah. And probably the best Norway beer I had is this guy. Pryl. P-R-Y-L. This is actually a local beer. This is, this is outside of a town, little town called Malloy, great town. And, uh, I actually did have some great meals there cause we had this really, this, uh, fantastic chef on this. So this was going to be hard to find as far as use. And they have, you know, they have the, the whole, the whole gamut, the blondes mm. and the, and the stouties and all that. But this is the, the Pryl, P-R-Y-L. This is their amber one. And I loved it. It's really good. This is a large like bottle. A big bottle. I was going to say the bottle mm -hmm. looks pretty, pretty good. This is a seven percenter. Okay. Right? So you want to, you want to kind of slow roll it on this guy. And, uh, this is a Dubel. Uh, so obviously, uh, darker and a lot of the bottle is, uh, is in Norwegian. So, so you don't know what it says. Hopefully it's a, brewed by the German purity law or do they add anything I'm, in it? I, I really think that they, that they, uh, pay attention to all of that. We need then to reach out to your chef back there and be like, Hey, can you tell us what's in this and see if it's just water, yeast, barley? He may be listening. Uh, I want to say a special shout out to Andreas was the best chef that we had on the trip. This is a young man with enormous, uh, chef talent, culinary talent, passion. He made us probably the two best meals. We had dinner there two nights in a row, two best meals. And it was, you know, three, three, four courses, nice. every, every fantastic adjective that you could come out and give us the whole spiel and everything. Oh, so sorry. This one was... Weird follow-up. Did y'all have any non, like, did you have any alcoholic drinks, not beer, but like unique liquors over there? I didn't because I'm not a liquor guy. I was kind of like, vaca especially vacation mode. I'm kind of like right. purely purely in beer mode. We had some wines, but they were inadvertently, there was, I don't know, a couple of them that were like French wines, French Pinot Noirs, uh, that also were great. Um, but that's, you know, that's one of the okay. so great, nothing, great things. When I was in Southeast Asia, they had this weird, uh, liquor made with like deer antler, um, mm -hmm. made me think a lot of like Jaeger, but didn't know if they had, you know, in like what in Greece, they have that Uzu, uh, I, it's like a licorice liqueur. It's like I didn't straight know if, up, straight up if, ethanol. Yeah. I didn't know if Norway had anything unique to them. It's like a weird fermented fish liquor or something. Yeah. I mean, they had this fermented fish thing that they had laying out for, for breakfast. And I was just like, mm, no, <laughs> thank you to that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think people are pounding that just to, just to get a buzz. No, I didn't have any, any kind of liquors, but then, then again, I wasn't looking everywhere. Right. I was just trying beers. So yeah, there were some blondies. And then I had that really great Denmark one that I sent you. And that one was a huge, like oil can of a beer. Um, is it like Dax? D-A-X. Oh, yes. D with the X. Doxy. D D D yeah, it was a Doxy D-A-X-E. This thing has a, had great art. It's a huge, I mean, it's not like a Foster's. I think it's bigger. It's got to be bigger than a oh, Foster's. No, Faxi. F-A-X-E. F-A-X-E. F-A-X-E, I apologize. This is a Den yeah, Denmark beer that I, I found in one of the liquor stores. 
and I love the art. The art yeah. was amazing. And so I had the, I want to say five percenter mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, they have like Vikings on the can and like shooting arrows. And there's, um, I think a, a guy is like, uh, he's going to battle a bear quality lager beer. Um, and then they have the 10 percenter, which I saved towards the end of the trip. And those were thousand and, milliliter cans, whatever that yeah. means. We yeah. don't know. It's a one, that's a one liter. Yeah. So those were great. And. A lot of the beers I had at the end of the day, you know, we would do hikes during the day and go see this and this and this. And then, so you don't want to be pounding beers while you're like walking up mountains. Um, um, yeah, those were great. And the, the 10 percenter, I thought, oh, it's going to be crazy stouty. It's going to be super heavy. Nope. It was delicious. And, uh, it was 10%. I mean, I, I had that, that whole thing and got up and I was just like, really, that is 10%. <laughs> I didn't like wake up half naked out in the woods three days later or anything. But uh, yeah, 10% means 10% and loved it. So those were two of my favorites. Two of my favorites. For... They didn't have any journeys listed, I guess, on their their labels. No. And then the... Tippy Canoe or? Yeah, I need to I need to get down into the rabbit holes of all of these. And so again, uh, I apologize. I don't, I don't want to get too far in depth on everyone's webpage, but I do want to recommend all, all of those beers. And then my beer of the week right now, uh, because I, I couldn't bring any of that stuff home, but I definitely want to get it delivered. Uh, this one is the oldest brewery in the world. And I was mm. not looking, this is from local store, like right down the road from me. I was not looking for this. I was just getting, you know, beers for the week beers for, uh, for review. I was actually going to land on a different one, but I saw this randomly and they're like, the beer guy was there. I said, is that really the oldest beer brewery in the world? He said, yep. So this is Vihin Stefaner. And we, by the way, if we're not, uh, X like Twitter friends mm -hmm. with uh, all of these beers that we talk about, we will be within the next 12 hours or so. So I think this is the ones I signed up. So you can find all the stuff on our Twitter page, on our formerly known as Twitter, now known as X page. Uh, but this one, this guy is Vihen Stefaner, W-E-I-H-N-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E-R. This one, I, this particular one I got is a Feist beer. And this brewery is from 1040, from 1040. Before the, the German purity law existed. Before anything existed. That was 1516. See that memory? Before, before, yeah, man, nailed it for sure. So I'll, I will tell a little bit of the backstory on this guy is uh, on the Weihen Stefaner mm -hmm. that there was, it was, the year was 725. Oh, so, yeah. Jesus was just gone. Not, not gone that long. Uh, your year was 725 and this monk. This guy, Saint Corbinian, oh. Saint Corbinian, he discovered this spring out there, and uh, and that's and that's how they got their start. There's a whole story out, out after where? that. Where was he? This is a, this is in the in the Belgium area. This okay, is Premium Bavarium, Bavaria. And, uh, like I said, there's a whole story online about there. They're by this this magical spring, and there's all these uh, things going on there, but. Yeah, this is the world's oldest brewery. This one I have is a 5.8%. And um, they do have the seal of approval. Okay. Even though they're like 500, like 
They literally yeah. five hundred years older five than centuries. the the German purity law had to catch up to these guys. So yeah, I got a five point eight percent over here, and it's uh, stored dark. Oh, it's recommended to store dark and and keep cool. You want to keep it around forty six to fifty two degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. And um, yes, it's how is it? It's it's good. No, it's it's a blonde. This is the Fest beer, F-E-S. You got it in a glass? Or are you drinking out of the bottle? Uh, from bottle to glass. I like a cold glass. And so... Do you have that glass? Is it pretty light? Hey, oh, it is pretty light. Yeah, it's light. It's it's very light, but it's also one of these that it doesn't taste as light as it looks. And so, again, I'm more of an amber beer, Marzen. I mean, Oktoberfest is amazing. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. No, I can tell. No, that's gorgeous. That is a gorgeous beer, my friend. Mm. Good summertime beer over here. Ah, the the first uh, the first bottle was a little too crisp for me, but now I'm on bottle two and I'm um, just easing into easing into it. Okay, and I like it. I th- I think I would probably get it again. It's not a five star for me only because uh, blondes are not usually my cup of tea. My yeah, my mug, my mug of beer. Yeah, I like the I like the ambers, but I do respect. Anyone that's been brewing beer for a thousand years, <laughs> yeah. tip of the tip of the cap to uh, to Wyhin Stefaner, and I look forward to trying your other beers, especially uh, your Marzen, your uh, your Ambers, and I'm ninety nine percent sure that these guys have an Oktoberfest, so I will be ordering a case of that very soon. So All high right. five! Thank you so much. Yeah, delicious. On that, do you want to take a quick break? We will, because I'm a little bit two beers-ish deep. And okay. so a quick, quick break, and then we'll be right back. And we are back with a doctor and a lawyer walking to a podcast. Just got done with beer review, and of course we got very few times, I'm not going to say very few, occasionally we hit the product review, and this week Dr. Blom has a product to review after his extensive bouncing around in the fjords of norway with his footwear what do you I got i do and so i'm i'm fairly particular with footwear i'm a hospital physician i'm on my feet for most of my 12 14 hour shifts and so footwear is very important to me um and for the norway trip i lived in pretty much the entire trip in solomon boots i did a lot of reading not a lot but i did a decent amount of reading and i asked a lot of people that had done real deal tracks and climbs and things like that this i didn't do any kind of rappelling and ropes course any kind of stuff like that i did just regular walking upside of mountains so these are rubber sole to keep you from slipping and stuff this is the whole this these are great i I think this is going to be one of these things where i'm a i'm a customer for life i'm a fan for life i did the the solomon boots and these are just a little bit above the ankle uh, great for guys like me, very clumsy. Uh, obviously, I didn't roll my ankle once. I think if I had been in anything that that wasn't so great, I would have rolled my ankle at least once. I had a couple of couple of slips on some some slippery rocks because well, we did had some rainy days and went through some like I not like through full on rivers, but uh, I got the Quest Four Gore Tex, which was really the Rolls Royce on their end. I felt like I didn't want to take any chances. These things were so great. Uh, like I said, I walked through plenty of water, never got my feet wet, zero, nice. full on, 
you know, as long as the water didn't get in through the top, even then there's Gore-Tex. And so if it got in through the top, it dried pretty quickly ankle wise, but I never get it like toes, like the soaking. Are these soaking. like uh, Lucchese pricing for boots? Or are we talking like, you know, 250? 230. Okay. Two, yeah, so two, reasonable two. Mm-hmm. for and, a full and, waterproof. It fits like a glove. So the the only caveat I would say, and I think this is just me, like all my shoes, is I put in uh, arch support. I got to have arch support. So okay. I put in my arch support uh, inserts, and then they were amazing. They were great, like I said. Never rolled my ankle. Took not a big tumble. I took one or two kind of like, whoa, this rock is kind of slippery. And I, and I slipped because of me, not because of the boot. And um, yeah. The, the... Are there any concerns of wildlife where you're hiking? Is this like... You're hiking in, you know, West Texas, worried about a rattlesnake popping out, or is this like? No, so I didn't get the impression of snakes. So this this is a country that's cold and snowy so for a snakes. great maybe spiders a, a great deal of the year. Yeah, we did, we saw some spiders. Uh, I don't like spiders. I don't like creepy crawlies. We I, I didn't ask anybody about snakes, but we had we had reindeer meat, so I know they have deer, and usually when wherever there's deer, then there's coyotes or maybe bears. So mm-hmm. I assume all those things were, we saw taxidermied stuff here and there. And we saw like taxidermy, there's bunnies and foxes in terms of, you know. <laughs> I'm still staying. It never gets old. You know what time it is, everyone. This week Short version. All right. This week in history. And I will say that we're, we're kind of catching up when we said, over through the summer, I don't know, episodes 17, 18, 19, <laughs> we got behind and we were doing this kind of week in history, like one week, two weeks. Anyway, we're, we're yeah. kind of catching up. We're going to you know, get there. And I know you did say visions of grandeur last time about episodes two through six, and you're still correct on that. Del- delusions of grandeur that Sean Esquire, <laughs> our excellent our excellent producer, genius uh, attorney I, I, extraordinaire. I, I, didn't I've get been to so focused this week, mm. uh, not just on history, on current events. We'll get right. to that. Right. No, I know we we've had a lot going on this last week. That doesn't but, explain, you know, the two and a half weeks that I was gone and playing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Uh, August the eighteenth, nineteen twenty. Do you know what happened on that date, Doctor Blom? Big Somebody date. got punched in the face. Somebody got their feelings hurt? Probably. It was probably Somebody some domestic up. violence that was going on because the 19th Amendment was ratified, meaning women in the U.S. now had the right to vote. And I'll put an asterisk with this. Okay. That's nice that Be- they, they, they got there. Yeah. You know, they had been fighting this battle since, you know, the mid-19th century. So it had been about 70 years. Actually, the amendment was first introduced in 1878. So it took oh, wow. another, what, tw- 42 years to get to this point. Um, and I say asterisk because although women got the right to vote, there were still, we still had segregation. So women of color didn't have the same rights as other women. Uh, so there was still a large battle ahead of them, even after the 19th Amendment was ratified. I think there's some there were some scattered towns throughout the US. So the, obviously this is like federal, hey, women can vote now. But mm-hmm. I think there were a number of scattered towns throughout the US where they had kind of taken it upon themselves where they said, "Hey, come on. The ladies can vote." 
Yeah, I, I want to say one of the earliest was 1912. Um, there was like nine states that went ahead and gave women the right to vote. I What I don't know is how that affects federal elections. Like, were they just allowing women to vote in local elections, your mayor, your city council, judges? But when it came to who was president, did their votes count for that? I'm guessing no until this ratification. I am also guessing no. Yeah. So that was a big day for women after fighting this for 70 years and very <laughs> few were still alive once this was ratified. Like at least, at least 70. I mean, you have to think that like from the first day of democracy, women, there was at least one woman that was like, Hey, why, why can't I get in there? Right. Right. So that was a big win, big win for women of the U S of A. Congratulations women. Thank you for our, Congratulations. I'm glad that you're part of democracy, as you should be. Vote, uh, vote, vote wisely, please. I just <laughs> <laughs> my, my two cents. Um, you have the next one. I guess we're gonna jump forward and jump back. Oh yeah. So uh, September, from September the fifth, nineteen seventy-seven, we have a we have birthday. a birthday. Birthday. Whose birthday so, is it, Dr. Blom? September 5th, 1970. I'm going to do something that I rarely do, talk about space. Oh, and wow. so, so September 5th, 1977. Happy birthday, Voyager 1. So this Who's is a that? great... This is a, this is a satellite, I say a satellite, space probe. Space probe from oh. the U.S. And uh, this was, it was actually launched two weeks after Voyager 2. It gets a little, little complicated there. It's currently rocking at uh 35,000 miles per hour mm -hmm. and it weighs a little less than 2,000 pounds it's something something like uh 1,800 pounds some big uh red banner days for Voyager 1 on March 5th 1979 it came that that was like the Jupiter mission those are the first like the best pictures I say that like the best those are the first real pictures that anything had, had really given us regarding Jupiter. Then November the 12th, 1980, that it gave us uh, Saturn. So this is the uh, first, like Jupiter, I say first, these are the best Rolls-Royce pictures, Jupiter okay. and Saturn. Then on February 14th, 1990, it did this famous, famous, one of the most famous pics from anything NASA has ever done spun around and i think this original idea was from carl sagan they said hey let's uh let's spin around there mm -hmm. take a picture of, take a picture of earth so this picture if you're a carl sagan fan like i am and um you grew up reading cosmos not cosmo, cosmo. <laughs> yeah that's so yeah way back in the day carl sagan had, he had a <laughs> had a series called cosmos speaking about our cosmos and he also, it's also, it's from his book, Cosmos, which is fantastic. So the February, the, uh, Valentine's day, 1990 picture, but Voyager one spins around, takes a picture of earth. And that's called the pale blue dot picture. And you see it, it's, it is, it's, it's a very, very pale blue dot. I think it was something like 3.7 billion miles away from earth wow. at that time. And you see it in this vast blackness, this emptiness of space. And wow, it just, you know, it makes you feel 
if if it can like insignificant and insanely significant at the same time because yeah. you're looking you're feeling like all of humanity is like a less than a grain of sand so so they still have people that are like texting this voyager mm-hmm. what like they sent out a command for it to go this direction absolutely uh before i get there let me say that it has entered interstellar space they're they're pretty sure it was around august the 25th 2012 and what does interstellar mean to the layman beyond our solar system so past pluto the last planet very well uh past pluto uh who uh, by i say who uh, a lot of people say it's not a planet. I grew up with it as a planet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a planet. <laughs> so they they are pretty sure that Voyager One got past. Well, I say past got into interstellar space August 25th, 2012. Also, August 25th, 2012, that is when Neil Armstrong died. Oh, so it's been it's been out past our solar system for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, tooling I'll, I'll around. Yeah. So a couple things is one I want to mention on Voyager One. It has the golden record. Voyager One and Voyager Two both have the golden record. So the the reason why so Voyager One is Voyager One, even though it was launched after it was uh, launched about two weeks after Voyager Two, because it it overtook Voyager Two. So they, this was a special thing that they had to do because the planets were aligned in a. I say the planets the the large planets, the larger planets were aligned in a specific way for the first time like if they hadn't launched when they launched they would they would have to wait like 160 years 150 years to get that arrangement back again where they, they use those large especially the large planets to do the slingshot to oh. sort of like yeah go around and then just poof and poof and yeah so they had to, if they had missed that window they'd have to wait it was uh, like i said something like 150 160 years they have. They both have the golden record, which is famous. It's been featured in a number of movies. Uh, Starman comes to mind, and uh, let me think. I think is that one the one with Skywalker? Mm, no, I don't think there's any lightsabers on that one. Okay. The golden record is. It's actually not. I mean, it's golden. It's gold plated. It's actually a copper disc, and you can listen to everything it has on YouTube. Uh, it has 90 minutes. It's got 55 languages of you know. Of people saying hello, greetings. Um, the the English one, the kid. I say the the one in English, the kid that says hello from the people of planet Earth. That's Carl Sagan's kid, Nicholas Nick. So is they this have, thing projecting that audio nonstop, or is this just if it lands somewhere? No. So it has the disc, and then on the on the disc is printed like how to instructions, like how to. You know, load this. Load this so thing the aliens up. will know. Put mm-hmm. it in their VCR. And... Oh, the VCR is there. I mean, it's uh, not a VCR. It's, okay, it's not the, it's the an player. Track tape. The player is there. It's a disc. It's like a. I don't think it's a laser disc. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, it has fifty-five languages on it. It's got hopefully it's reading draw- Braille. Drawings of a man and woman on it. It's got one hundred and fifteen images on it. The images. Most of the stuff you can find on NASA pages, things like that. One thing Sean Esquire and I were laughing about is it, it has 115 images. So you can go to the NASA page and you can see all the images that the Golden Disk, Golden Disk on Voyager 1 and 2 have. But you can't see all of the images because some of the images are copyrighted. So the aliens can see all 115 images, but you 
as an earth person whose tax dollars paid for this thing, you can't see all of them because somewhere in the process, there was some asshole lawyer that's like, no, you can't look <laughs> at that guy kissing a baby in the hospital or, you know, these images are not, like, why, why do you need copyright on? And then what am I going to do with the copyright on that? Like, I'm going to go off and make a million dollars off a picture <laughs> of a whale jumping out of the water. So, uh, yeah, it's got pictures of math, math equations because that's going to be a basic language. It's got DNA. It's got a little, like, here we are, like how to find earth. <laughs> that's scary. That, that's kind of scary. I mean, we might not want if anyone finds this thing to know like, Hey, Hey, here we are. Come, come get us. And then it was, there was a lot of controversy because it has Bach and Beethoven and actually has Johnny B. Good on oh, it from okay. Chuck Berry. Yeah. Some people complain that, uh, oh, it doesn't have enough Italian composers or it doesn't have enough French composers or whatever. They, they did what they could. I mean, it's not yeah, infinite. Launch your own satellite, Italy. It, <laughs> it has, you know, it's not a, uh, MP3 player. So <laughs> yeah, this, the, the, the Voyager itself is not like an iPhone. Your iPhone has way more memory than the, than either one of the Voyagers and the Voyagers combined. So yeah, the, the, the story of the golden disc, the golden records, that's really fascinating. All the great stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed my note on, uh, the alignment of the planets, 176 years. Wow. So I was, I was close there. So, uh, they had, a uh, initially they thought the time was going to be like, this thing was going to only last five years and they had to do all the NASA magic to make it last as long as it's lasted. So they turned the cameras off. I think they turned the cameras off like shortly after they did the, the pale blue dot, because at that point they didn't need the cameras. It has two cameras. So they've been turning equipment off on this thing slowly over the course of the last 46 years. And, uh, I think half, maybe about like half of the equipment is functional now. They had, um, is this the takes... one that went missing a while back and like mm -hmm. came back yeah. online and they were like, oh, we're getting new images month to a month, like in the last month or so it did. They, they, oh no, we, we lost it. And they were able to, uh, they were able to get it back. It's a, it's signal. It takes the sunlight about 21 hours to get to it. It runs on radioisotopes. I won't get into all of the nerd stuff on that, but there's three of them of people want to know, how's this thing still going? Plutonium, plutonium okay. 238. That's how, it, that's how it's still going. People are like, oh yeah, the satellites is just going, it's going out there 46 years, like running on Duracell. No, 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 it's running on isotopes. So people. It's like, a nuclear uh, may, reaction. May, naysayers. There's, um, it's right. You like this. It's running, currently running on, I think something like 249 Watts. The vacuum cleaner in your house, probably running on more than 249 Watts. And the signal takes about 20 hours to reach the earth. And it's currently, I think 15 billion, over 15 billion miles from earth. And there is, um, about. 3 million times less memory on the Voyager one than on your iPhone and 38,000 times slower than a 5g internet. Hmm. This is 1970s technology that it's the fact that this thing is still going is amazing because the initial, you know, plan or estimates was, well, maybe we'll get five years out of it. We'll, we'll start turning off some equipment and then maybe we'll get 10 years out of it. Now we're at, at year 46. It's currently in, in the, uh, Kuiper belt, K-U-I-P-E-R, Kuiper belt. And they think that it'll get beyond the, uh, 
there's something called the Oort cloud, O-O-R-T, in about uh, 300 years, they'll get, they'll get to that. So now we're getting into like way, way, way beyond. And the estimates are also, and again, I don't know when you say estimates, I think it's estimates with a capital E because they don't know like how, how much is what beyond, beyond the solar system. So I, I read that the estimates were that it'll, it'll get into the Oort cloud in about 300 years and it'll take about 30,000 years to get through it. And also, I don't think I'll be alive. No, 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 we'll be, we'll be long. I mean, I might be like, maybe I'll be like 90% robot by then. Mm-hmm. And there will be uh, no more communication in the next couple of years. So they're, they're pretty sure they'll lose all communication by 2025. And then it'll also stop uh, transmitting data by about 2025. However, it'll have a faint, you know, little beep, beep, beep going out to into space with the half-life of plutonium, plutonium-238, half-life of plutonium uh, being what it is, the whole thing will die around 2160. Okay. So that's pretty good for 1970s technology. Happy birthday, Voyager 1. Voyager 2 is not too far behind it. Is that Who when still around or is that when gone? Mm-hmm. Trucking, trucking oh, along, okay. it's behind. Yeah, Voyager 2 is, be- is behind Voyager 1. So who knows what's going to happen, who's going to pick them up, anything like that. But yeah, they will, as, as far as the Earth is concerned, we'll lose communication. They'll be dead to us in a couple years, and then they'll be dead, dead, uh, 2,160, around, around that time. That's, the, that's how the half-life of plutonium works. Okay. Well, happy, happy birthday, birthday. One. Yes. Um, we'll Bring us back, back to Earth. Back we'll to Earth, Charles back, back to Earth and back in time. August the 23rd, 1927. This was a famous date because Sacco, I don't know if it's Sacco or Sacho, and Vanzetti were executed on this date. And this is like a historic case, Dr. Blom. Were those the guys with the lions in uh, in, uh, in Las, Las Vegas? Vegas? Yes, he was, his face was eaten off, and <laughs> they were lovers. I believe. <laughs> no, these <laughs> these were not the lion tamers at Caesar's Palace. Okay, or was it I'm MGM? Sorry. It might have been MGM. Anyway, these two, they were charged with committing a robbery and a murder at the Slater and Morial Shoe Factory in South Braintree, which I believe was Maryland? No, Massachusetts. And it was one of the M's. So there was this day, this is before this, April the 15th, there was a payroll clerk and a security guard who worked for this Slater and Morrill Shoe Factory. They were robbed. They were shot to death over $15,000 in cash, which I assume in 1920 money was probably quite a lot. 200K plus. Okay. So yeah, they... A quarter million dollars back in the day. There was an eyewitness that said, oh, I saw two men commit this robbery and murder and then fled outside and got into a vehicle with two or three other people. Um, The police ended up arresting these two men and never arrested anybody else. None of the stolen cash was ever linked to these two. And eventually it led to a trial being held and 
in today's world, a lot of this stuff would not have happened in trial. At least I would hope not. Um, legal scholars have gone back and forth with this because when you go to trial, one of the main things you want to make sure is you don't have a biased venue. Um, so you don't want your judge to be biased against you. Um, and there was actually an occasion that the judge had made a statement to one of his friends. Did you see what I did to those two anarchist? I'm assuming he said assholes. It just says explicitive deleted. Um, oh, that could be, that could be anything. So, you know, he apparently did not like them. And to kind of back up the reason for this, this was the 1920s. Uh, there was a Red Scare going on. People were concerned about communism, socialism, concerned about anarchism. And so the the idea was we didn't want these immigrants who supported anarchism in our country anymore. Can I say, like, not even planning for this, that your comment regarding anarch anarchist, mm -hmm. that is foreshadowing for something I'm going to get into in a bit. So thank you for doing that. That's yeah. yeah. Serendipity. Hey man, we're so, on the same page. And and what is anarchy, Dr. Blom? They they believe in no government. They believe in no police, no judges, no authority. Basically the people own everything, which sounds sounds okay. And people just work in cooperation with if you need this, we will help you out. If there is no higher authority but i guess your concern is you can't just have people running around robbing everyone i'm assuming we, we, well, i mean we need something more than anarchy and uh less than i would maybe say what we have now maybe mm -hmm. i don't need the government in every single thing i do i don't want to get off on the tangent here but i'm, I'm <laughs> it's so, in the in the spectrum of yeah we need more than anar anarchy yeah. i'll leave it at that so the trial judge allowed prosecution to enter evidence that the two men were one Italian immigrants, two anarchists, and that they hadn't registered for the draft. Now there are some legal issues with this because if there is a bias, a, you know, whether it's jury, judge, whatever, unless it's relevant to the case at hand, it should be excluded from trial. So the fact that they were Italian immigrants, I don't know what relevancy that has, unless maybe the eyewitness was saying, oh, these two guys robbed him at gunpoint speaking Italian. Maybe you could get into that. Which, but, when you say it shouldn't be included, I mean, obviously you mean like that's common sense, but legally wise, you're saying like it shouldn't be because because of whatever case law from the 40s or 30s. Are you just saying like well, common sense it yeah, shouldn't be? Even on, on today's legal standards, like unless it's relevant to the case, it should not be admitted. And even if it's relevant, you can make an, an objection on, is this going to bias the prejudice of the jury or judge? And that that can't be overcome. And so if there was this red scare going on, why is the prosecution putting into their case in chief, these two guys are Italian immigrants. I, I don't know what their rationale was behind it, but it goes even further. When things are done improperly, you know, in a trial level, we have appellate systems. So, you know, something gets admitted into evidence. You don't like it. You object to it on appeal. The appellate court can hear the objection and what was allowed and say, okay, the jury should not have heard that. And they might say, 
we're going to allow this defendant to have a new trial based on this evidence that was admitted improperly. Well, the problem back in the 1920s was the trial judge. So the judge that over, overheard the whole trial was the person with the sole discretion on hearing motions for new trial. So he would basically have to say, I screwed up and I'm going to give you guys a new trial. Well, yeah. Guess great, what? Great system. <laughs> that didn't happen. There were six motions for new trial that were filed by the defense, and every single one of them got overruled on. Um, because it was the because it was because the judge. it was the same judge that heard the trial. <laughs> and then there was a witness. I, I don't know if it's one or multiple witnesses that came forward and actually recanted their testimony on. I guess what they saw. They filed another motion for new trial based on the recanted testimony of the witness and judge still said, nope, don't care. Still going to find they were convicted. I'm never wrong. Exactly. They had filed motions to challenge the ballistic tests that were done on the, the firearms that was overruled on. Um, so this was, they were. The Done. association of judges that like oversees judges, like they didn't have anything like in the, like in Texas, uh, criminal system. Yeah. We right? had that here. You know, we've got a, a regional judge that, uh, if you're having issues with a county or district court judge, we have a regional judge you file your complaints with, and that judge can look and see what has this judge done? Were they improper? Um, do we file a motion to recuse? Put this in front of a different judge we have that system now we also have an appellate system that if a trial judge screws up the appellate court can review the record and say yeah they messed up we're giving defendant a new trial none of this and exists. Nothing, and nothing will happen to that judge right in the event that you go to the appellate and they're like oh he screwed up x y and z then he's like what are you uh, going to do? do he goes there, about life there is a judicial misconduct board um, that can review if a judge is really messing up and whether it's rulings, whether it's treating counsel or defendants a certain way, they can fi find misconduct on the judge and actually can remove them from the bench. So it's a process, but none of these processes existed back in 1920 Massachusetts. Which, but, na but now with the process, worst case scenario is the guy loses his job. Not like, oh, you did... Because right. of you, these guys went to jail for 10 years and they didn't need to, and you shouldn't have done this stuff. And the judge is like, I don't know, maybe I had a bad day. And then the system, the, cur the current system now is like, that's a, that's a bad deal, judge. So, uh, you don't get to be a judge anymore. Or, yeah. or maybe they're like, Hey, that's it. He doesn't, he doesn't go to jail no. or pay a fine or right. No. And I've been in um, front of judges yeah. with that had issues with the misconduct board, got another judge got elected and then they got back on the bench and you're dealing with similar situations as a situation before. But uh, there was something else that was interesting with this. There was a a guy that was in custody. And I think, what was there? The Morelli gang. They weren't from the same area. But they were known for having done a bunch of robberies and this stuff. Well, one of the guys that was in prison, actually, not the two that got convicted. But a, a separate guy from this Moretti gang confessed to the crime. And they had been involved with burglaries of this same shoe factory. The police where they were at had been investigating him. But when the police arrested Sacco and Vanzetti, they said, oh, we're going to call off our investigation. They found the guys. Um, and then the, the defense filed another motion 
because this inmate had confessed to these crimes and the judge said, eh, I don't find his, I don't find him credible and it's not trustworthy. So I'm still going to uphold our conviction on these two. And I do think this was solely because of their political ideology that the judge basically didn't care. And there was nothing to hold that judge's feet to the fire at the time. So, I mean, yeah, so this is what pisses me off. I mean, obviously this, this is a gross miscarriage of justice. Number one, number two, this is over a hundred years ago. And, um, there's still no, as there's no real, uh, oversight on judges. Yeah. It's limited. And even today, I mean, we still see guys that sit in prison for decades upon decades until, oh, we do have DNA testing evidence now that has ruled them out. And it's like, man, this guy wasted his entire life in the prison system as an innocent person. And they'll, they'll give him like a million bucks for like his 20 years and say yeah. tough break there. And even that is like almost never. Right. Very few. And he, very, very, very few. And I, and I know I've heard about motions for DNA testing being overruled on. And it's like, we have scientific evidence now to do this. And what are we doing? Like, yeah, I, I, I have to feel like, like you're like, especially as criminal defense, that you're stressed out on a regular basis, just seeing these things that are common sense. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not in the law, uh, but I'm a science guy. Yeah. And uh, I, I read about these stories. I hear about these stories. These guys that have sat in jail for 10 years and we have the FBI is all too happy to use forensics when it comes to a number of things. But then when it's like, well, let's do what's right. This person, there's, there's some evidence and we have DNA technology now. And for whatever reason, prosecution and or judge and or whoever says, nah, it's not, it's not getting into all that. Yeah. And you'll, Case done. you'll still, you'll still see stories to this day of, of prosecutors getting in trouble for failing to disclose certain evidence over to the defense, whether it's true, sure. they withheld it, um, cause they weren't going to use it or they withheld it because maybe it showed innocence of the defendant. And, well, it's not going to help their case. Right. But when, when you say they get in trouble, like they don't go to jail, maybe they, maybe they get a phone. They, they, I don't know if they, they get disbarred. They can go to jail because that could be obstruction of justice. Um, there are things that they can do to the prosecuting attorneys. It's different. It's more difficult with the judge because the judge isn't the one. Yes. They're saying I'm going to allow this evidence in, or I'm not going to, but they're not the ones that have all the evidence. So sure. they're making best case judgment on what they know at the time. Whereas the prosecution certainly can face actual criminal crimes because they withhold evidence from the defense. But there's plenty of examples of judge being judges being completely incompetent or biased or drunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know, I know of at least one, uh, that, uh, had a full on like, I say early onset Alzheimer's, who was clearly impaired, mm -hmm. cognitively impaired, medically impaired. And because of his ego, he wouldn't step down or anything like that. He just kept going. And God knows how many cases that he had botched or he forgot key, he forgot basic law, things like that. So should be able to go through all of those cases from the time that his physician said, Hey man, I'm sorry, writing's on the wall. You know, you have Alzheimer's and the time from that moment on. So I, I know personally, um, maybe a handful of judges that had medical reasons to not stick around and they, uh, they, 
got wrapped up in their own hubris and they kept going and it's wrong. And there's, and even if you can prove it, I know you can prove it on a number of those, that they're still not going to face any kind of justice. Those cases that they oversaw are not going to be, may, maybe somebody will go back, you know, the, um, the, uh, what do you call that? That organization that gets a uh, death row people off death row. Things, uh, Innocence like Project. That. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, but again, those are very, very, very rare. I, I just, as far as our system's concerned, I don't like that judges have as much power as they do. I don't like that they operate with as much impunity as they do. And I really am disgusted that they don't, there's no committee oversight that comes down on these guys. And then they have to face real ramifications as opposed to like their biggest ramification is you got to go find another job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my rant. So it was a, a very interesting read on this trial. Um, it, you know, like you said, a miscarriage of justice done to these defendants. And we still see it up to this day, but very, very interesting. Of, of what happened to these guys? They were executed. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. They probably, were. probably electric chair, 1920s. Executed was electric chair, August 23rd, 1927. And it was by electric chair. Yeah, that was their that was their favorite too. Again, some foreshadowing there. So yeah, very, very disgusting. Josquire, I'm gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we have some other history things that maybe Shana Squire has set me up regarding uh regarding foreshadowing. There it is. <laughs> fix it fix it in editing. Okay, quick 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 break, come right back. Welcome back to a Dr. Lawyer Walk into a Podcast. From our break, we were getting into September the 6th, 1901. This, this was a big day. Dark day. Dark day in American history for sure. This is the assassination of William McKinley. It's our 25th president. Shannon Esquire, you know how much I love presidential history. How many presidents have we had die while in office? We covered over the summer, Zachary Taylor. Four? Uh, four, four U.S. presidents dead uh, while in office. Is that right? You're, you're kind of right. So the answer is eight died in office. Four of, oh. them, assa four of them assassinated. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. So okay. suppose, yeah, that, that's me from, from way back. You, I, here's, here's what's strange about American president assassinations is uh, first and foremost, everyone knows Lincoln, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone knows who shot Lincoln probably the whole day. Everyone knows Kennedy. Everyone right. knows the whole shebang. And, and there's a whole thing between the connections between Lincoln and Kennedy we'll get to in November when we cover the Kennedy assassination. Um, not a lot of people know all of the presidents that died natural causes. Oh, we know about the, uh, the guy that ate all the cherries and the milk. Zach, Zachary Taylor. Yeah, we talked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he overdid it, overdid it at the uh, July 4th uh, picnic. Then there's, this is the one I always forget for whatever reason. So Gar Garfield's one of the assassinated ones. Mm -hmm. We're going to cover all, all the presidential deaths, uh, but natural deaths. There's uh, William G. Harding, right? Okay. So he is, uh, he's the heart attack. And again, who knows? Sean Esquire, right? Maybe poisoned. You call it the heart or heart attack? Warren G. Harding, heart heart attack. Heart of, attack. Of the heart. Yes. Right? Myocardial infarction. Do you want that one? And mm -hmm. then uh, there's... Right. 
then there's uh there's FDR. FDR mm-hmm. is a hemorrhagic stroke. Okay. And then the first one, I'm sorry, uh, was the the ninth president, good old uh, old uh, William Henry Harrison. That's oh. The, yeah, he's the one. I think maybe I don't know if he made it a full thirty days in the office before succumbing to. Back then they called it consumption. It was most likely pneumonia. Hmm. And that so yeah so four natural, maybe natural. Who knows? China Squire. Maybe they were CIA was involved. Po- poisoned by the the precursors of the CIA. Uh, so, um, yeah, four naturals, four assassinations. Everyone knows JFK, Abe Lincoln. We'll talk about William McKinley, and uh, uh, as you mentioned, Garfield's the other one, shot in the shot in the back. So, William McKinley, uh, McKinley, a little bit of background information on him. He was a Republican guy. He was kind of a uh, Ohio uh, hero guy from uh, hailing from the great state of Ohio, and they have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I think the Buckeyes. Ohio State Buckeyes, yes. Okay, there you go. Go Buckeyes, I guess. Uh, he's known for, um, uh, his uh, administration is known for a victory of Spanish-American War, uh, which kind of re- ultimately resulted in us getting, the U.S. getting Hawaii, annexing Puerto Rico, Philippines, Guam, Cuba. He was also, his administration is very well known for keeping the gold standard uh, I got a little bit of more foreshadowing here regarding gold standard, something uh, regarding the metals of the day. So there were huge, huge debates back then about how to do U.S. currency, silver, buy, buy metals, which is like silver and gold. That's the, the BI. Uh, anyway, he helped the country out of, uh, out of depression, and he was a bit of an uh, army hero. He was in the Civil War. He's the last president to serve. Why were we so depressed in the late 1800s? A lot to do with currency. uh, A lot, not mental state. No, financially. Okay. Financially, getting us out of the supply and demand, everything uh, of the of the chain and everything. But yeah, he was the last president to serve in the Civil War. Uh, He was army guy, and obviously he was president, so lawyer. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also, he uh, he got us in and out of the Spanish-American War pretty quickly. That's its own story. And a um, little bit of personal background. I mean, he had two daughters who both died pretty young. And his uh, his wife had epilepsy. She was sick pretty much throughout their entire time together. Sort of, I mean, not, not like bedridden, but epilepsy back then. You know, you have a bad day and turns into a bad week, bad month. He got the, he got, also got the ball rolling on Panama Canal he was shot right before kind of, I'd say the finalization, he was shot kind of right before things really got rolling on it. So he's not credited with the Panama Canal, but I think literally the week leading up to his shooting that he was in talks with getting all that up and running. He died in his uh, second term is a landslide election back then. And uh, again, on a personal level, he enjoyed meeting people, shaking hands. He had this, he had this classic move where he'd go in, shake your hand and then kind of pull you aside, shake mm-hmm. hand, pull. So he could, he could move the line along. So <laughs> thought that was really cool. Now we get to the villain in the story. The villain is, so, uh, do you know the name of the guy that shot Garfield? I love presidential history, history and the, and I forget all the time. Theodore Kastrovinics. Uh, no, uh, not okay. for, not for Garfield is a 
French guy that will cover. Why well, I say French guy, French name for William, for William McKinney is a young man, a 28 year old man named Leon Stolgold. Very That's rich. No, no, this is a Polish name. Oh, so yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just briefly mentioned Garfield getting shot in the back. Yeah, so this is we're we're on McKinley. I promise, William McKinley. Yeah, so his uh, his assassin is a 28 year old Leon Szolgosz, C Z O L G O S Z. That is uh, a lot of Z's. That is definitely a Polish name. Polish people, please. What I don't know your aversion to vowels. Uh, please. Why didn't uh, he like him so much? Leon Szolgosz was an anarchist. Oh, there we go. Well, Square, you set him up and knock him down. There it is. I want to point out, listeners, we didn't plan on this, on all, all the setting up, knocking down. That's just how it, that's how it, so this is the seminal event that, you know, the nation was not, yay. The red wave, red scare. The, the nation was not, yay, anarchists when, uh, when Cholgosh shot McKinley in 1901, but this did not help matters. So no. you're talking about the, the, uh, the Italians, the Italian anarchists who got the electric chair because of the nation sentiment of anti-anarchist. This mm-hmm. is like the biggest thing, right? Already the country was like, hey, we're we're democracy. The anarchists killed our president. Anarchists killed our president in 1901. Flash forward to your guys. The entire country was like, they're anarchists. They did it. They, yep, yep, kill them. There you go. So yeah, there's all these theories about him having a, like a nervous breakdown, like a psychiatric problems neurosyphilis, things like that. Um, we're Where did now you shoot him at? Was this a dueling ground or was this like a meet and greet? This is not a dueling ground. This is this is not a, a Hamilton. We're at the Pan American Exposition in, uh, in, a, in the Temple of Music, where this is Buffalo, New York. Mm. We are six months into uh, McKinley's second term. Like I said, he smashed uh, William, I think it's William Jennings Bryant. Uh, okay. the, yeah. Um, Probably a pro anarchist, and people were like, "Not today." The Democratic uh, contender had, you know, he didn't have a snowball's chance in hell. Basically, that the country was obviously very pro McKinley, kind of rocked it. So now he's six months into his second term. This is basically like the World's Fair, the Pan America Exposition. Uh, One of the things they have there is an X-ray machine, which Mm -hmm. they don't use. Right, they they were kind of too scared of they. So in back in the olden days, the World Fair, they would roll out all these things, you know, like, come on, look at all uh, Doctor Johannes' Virgo time machine, and you know, it's, a lot of them were really kooky, kind of get ready for the days of the future. But, See uh, the them... tiniest horse. <laughs> some of them were legit, like some of them were very legit, like the extra machine that was there. So. Uh, William McKinney, McKinley, classic William McKinley, he likes to meet people. And so leading up to this World's Fair, leading up to the Pan-American Exposition, Buffalo, New York, his uh, his right-hand man, his press secretary, George Cortell, had told him multiple times, actually twice, hey man, call it off. I don't know if you heard rumors or exactly what was going on. But oh, his... what did he know? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. well, I mean, this his... was the 1901. There wasn't like social media going on. His right-hand man had said, uh, yeah, I kind of called it twice. Twice he told him, let's not, not do this here. What kind of security detail did William McKinley have on 1901 Pan America, Buffalo, New York, assassination day? Probably uh, 
one man and a large Irish sheep herding dog. So a, a little bit of backstory on this is that the Secret Service came from Abraham Lincoln. So Abraham Lincoln signed the Secret Service into like, hey, we're going to do the Secret Service. Uh, and then, so uh, Abraham Lincoln signs that on uh, April 14th, 1865. And then that night, that night he gets shot. That's where okay. the Secret Service came from. So even the, the Secret Service was not up and running the day that Abe Lincoln signed it into effect. So was there Secret Service in 1901? Yes. Was there Secret Service like now? No. no. What was the Secret Service when Abe Lincoln said, hey, we need Secret Service? The purpose of the Secret Service was because of counterfeit money. In 1865, yeah. they estimated something like half of the money in circulation was counterfeit. So Lincoln said, we got to do something about this counterfeit money, Secret Service. So that was the purpose of the Secret Service when they rolled out. 1901, this is McKinley. So his security detail that day, 18 exposition guards, seven artillery, artillery soldiers, and three Secret Service guys. Never mind the Buffalo police were, were milling about. Uh, and then he had two guards that were supposed to be next to him. And he told them, eh, eh, go find something to do. So, <laughs> I'm not You'll saying- watch the world's tiniest horse. He just, he didn't like having security. He didn't like having a security detail because he felt like it got, in the, it literally got in the way between- He's him a man and of the people. He just He's wanted to be like everyone people. else. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So- uh, and so there is uh, Leon Sholgosh, uh, not enough vowels in his name, too many consonants in his name at the very least. Mm -hmm. I think he was like number three in line. And then, um, so it gets in there. He has a handkerchief on his, uh, on his left hand. And then, uh, no, I'm sorry. Well, he has a handkerchief, I think on his right hand. So back in the, back then they were like, oh, it's super hot. So you would just have a handkerchief, you know? Mm -hmm. Or a lot of people had handkerchiefs because their hands were like blown off in the war or whatever. So there's a lot of reasons to have, uh, to have handkerchiefs. McKinley moves in, he goes in and Hey, Hey, young man. Hey, thanks for possibly voting for me. And then Sholgosh slaps his hand. Boom, boom, two shots. So wow. this is a, uh, this is a 32 caliber. I think it was a Dillinger style. This is a 32 oh, it's caliber. it's a Derringer then. Uh, Ivor Johnson revolver. 32 oh. caliber currently sits in the Buffalo history museum. And uh, I, thought, I thought maybe I could buy it on eBay. Couldn't, uh, couldn't find it. So he gets two shots off. The first one hits, uh, hits McKinley's, uh, coat button hey, you ordered a, oh. <laughs> or, or his, or his, they think coat button and, and, or rib. And they found the bullet in his coat pocket later on. So long one, I don't, I don't know how much I buy that one. Wait. Second one is on the, on the left side, like, um, left, uh, left part of his gut. Now there's, there's one or two doctors. Is there anything, is, wait, is this like, if I'm looking at my stomach on the mm -hmm. left side, or mm -hmm. if you're looking at me, you are oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. In medicine, when we say left, then you're, we're talking about relative to you yourself. So my left side, is there anything important over here? Mm -hmm. The pancreas is over there. Yeah. All kinds of things. Do I, need, right? I don't need that. Right. There's best, there's best those vasculature over there. You know, if it hits a rib, it's going to bounce around. It's 32 caliber short range. So you can, I mean, obviously kill someone. So yeah. And then Shulgosh is stormed. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. I think one of the, one of the, uh, first people, uh, that had tackled him or whatever, uh, was the, uh, was the guy behind him. And there's all kinds of stories about who was involved first. The, 
this is where it gets really, really interesting. And we're, we really get an idea of William McKinley. I mean, I thought the guy was a decent guy as I was reading up on him. And I start reading about the assassinations. One of the first things that he says, the crowd swarms, right? Go easy on him, boys. That's pretty, that's what he said. <laughs> I this is what the president says about the president just the gets, the the president gets shot, right? They sit him down in a chair immediately, right? So the crowd is storming, a bunch of people are storming Colgosh. And then I think the first thing, I think there was debate between the first and the second thing that he said, but I think the first thing that he said was, be careful how you tell my wife. It's how much he loved Ida, his wife. The first thing mm. he thought of was, yeah, that he had told, I think the, his right-hand man, the, the secretary, his press secretary, that told him twice don't, don't go. go there, right? He's like, uh, be careful how you tell my wife. And he's like, I told you not to come here, sir. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's just like the last thing he hears is I told you so. Yeah. So first, um, the, a lot of reports, the first thing he says is be careful how you tell my wife. And then in the courts of all this, I think probably the second thing he said is go easy on him, boys, which is crazy. The, the doctor, doctor, I say the, the main guy that's on the scene is a guy named Dr. Mann and he is an OBG. However, he does have, uh, like most physicians back in the day, he has a uh, plenty, I say plenty of experience. He has experience with gunshot wounds. They're trying to get the guy, like the surgeon physician there. He's a thousand miles away as far as 1901 is concerned, because there's with no cars. horse and under. carriage. Well, yeah. So a uh, train. Another story I read was that when that guy, the, like the surgeon that they're trying to get into town, when he boarded the train, that that was the fastest that train had ever gone ever. And it was oh. like the, the fastest train in the history of the United States. I don't like, get me to Buffalo. So, I've got yeah, a president so, to save. So this guy, Roswell Park, right, he's like the guy, he's the surgeon. He's in the middle of OR when McKinley gets shot. I don't know exactly how far McKin uh, Park, Dr. Park is away. And it's 50 miles or hundred miles. Like I said, for 1901, it might as, might as well be a hundred thousand miles. He's in the middle of a surgery. He's operating on this guy's neck. The dude bursts in the door and says, sir, I need you right now. And he's saying, I, I don't think he's going to swear because it's 1901. Not a lot of people swear, but he told, he tells this guy, he's like, I'm literally in the middle of a neck surgery. He says, I can't leave right now, even if it's the president of the United States. And, and then, then he says, it is the president of the United States. The messenger. Yeah, this is a real thing that happened. The messenger told Dr. Park, oh, um, uh, um, actually, sir. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened. So Dr. Mann is the OBG on scene. He's, uh, he's you know, first things first. He's like, okay, first bullet. Wait, that's the gynecologist people, right? Mm-hmm. Dr. Mann is the OBG on scene. Like, Why is he doing a neck surgery? No, no. So Dr. Roswell Park is like the, oh, super, okay. the super surgeon, like the, like, the dude that they're going to have to bring in by bullet train. I don't know, like, bullet train goes 20, doesn't have ovaries with 20 miles an hour. Dr. Mann is on site. Dr. Mann is OB. And so he's able to, uh, first, you know, Hey, first bullet, no problem. Uh, problem solved. Second bullet, you know, he's trying to do 1901 surgery. Can't mm -hmm. get to it. Number one, 1901. Are you dying? Are they worried about getting the bullet because of lead poisoning? Because I know a lot of people, they stitch up and they'll still have like bullets in them or shrapnel yeah. or something. Is it the it was, lead? It was, yeah. Back then it was all about like uh, the ill humors and ghosts. And they're like, if we don't get the bullet out of there, this guy is going to get, you know, evil spirits are going to course 
through, uh, I don't know if there's veins in there. It's not even We don't know how a human body works. But so, also, so they would have probably yeah. been better off just like stopping the bleeding and stitch you up. And like, we'll deal with the lead yeah. bullet later, right? Yeah. So lead, lead poisoning would be the least of his worries. It takes, it takes a while. The, so this, he can't get to the second bullet. I'll, I'll answer your question. I'm just going to say, number one, he can't get to the second bullet, right? See, so he makes the 1901 doctor decision to leave it in. That's not a great decision. Number two, he makes the 1901 decision to uh, put no drain in there, right? That you did this, it's called exploratory, exploratory laparotomy. Yes. Yeah, so you have a hole in someone, right? You got okay. a, a mm-hmm. incision, right? Yep. You put an incision in someone and there's a foreign object in there. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, a bullet. Maybe the bullet fragmented. They don't know back then. Uh, he's just like, I couldn't get to it. You know, they try to trace the the tracking of the bullet. And you jam some forceps in there. Get <laughs> Whatever yeah. they did in 1901 and like yeah. a bucket of leeches. They were like, let's try these. So he couldn't get to it. Number one. So yeah, left the bullet in. That's not going to go well. Number okay. two, doesn't put, a, doesn't put a drain in because you have a foreign object. He's a man. He's got a built-in drain. If uh, you had a foreign object in the human body, human body doesn't like that. Human body doesn't like foreign objects jammed okay. in there, you know? So, uh, yeah, but it's 1901. They don't know a heck of a lot about uh, how basic trauma surgery goes. Uh, I'm so not a trauma surgery. brain, are you talking about, like, what do they use in 1901? Do they, do they have plastic tubing? I don't think they had plastic in 1901, but they could have used something. They had surgical drains in 1901. I don't know if it was like bamboo shoots or whatever, but they they, they, they just stitch your skin around that thing, and it just they they may stitch your skin. I don't know exactly what they were doing in 1901, other than I can tell you that it wasn't right 100 <laughs> percent of the time. It wasn't very good. They didn't have a a heck of a of a big success rate. So when it in, came in, to, to in today's world, they they put a plastic like funnel and then stitch it to you. It would not be a funnel, Sean Esquire. Okay. They, they would I be, have no would... idea how this works. No, no. Okay. Okay. So short answer. Uh, in, in today's world, 1901, um, in, in today's world, based like laughing at 1901, uh, one thing that they do is they, they'll, they'll have like special forceps that have a magnet on the end of it. So when you put it in there, then you'll get, if you don't get the bullet, then you'll get the shards, things like that. Right. So you can get it out. Get the foreign material out of there have to uh and then then you put you can i mean definitely you should you should put a drain in there because there might be some bacterial what, collection what's that this drain up. look like it's it's a, exactly what you think it is it's a plastic tube and okay. so you, you got you got a plastic tube in there you know like when a lung collapses you put a chest tube in there so it is exactly what you think it is it's a plastic tube they're pretty thick and they're you know they come in well i say they're thick they come Sorry. in many shapes and sizes. It's not fair for me to say they're thick. Some of them are very thin. We get some breaking news in just now. Okay. Texas singer-songwriter Charlie Robinson, dead at 59. Which one is Charlie Robinson? Give says Robinson died at a hospital in San Antonio after suffering cardiac arrest. Which uh, one's Robinson? I don't know. I'm going to have to look this guy up. I recognize the name. Launched his music career the late 1980s in local right. Austin band, like two yeah, years. It's not Willie Nelson. You don't need to uh, interrupt <laughs> the assassination of William McKinley on a guy that you can't okay, even name okay. once. Well, oh, I was, well, I was interrupting the, the tubing what? of the funnels. Right. Yeah. No, there's no funnel, right? There, okay. Yes, there are tubes that are involved when you put a hole in someone, and some now, of them are 
relative how to your you, your definition you, of big and small. How do you know where to put? Do you put this at the bottom of the stomach, like you would a sink, so it drain, or do you put it like at the toe in case it flows down the leg? Depends on where the wound is, how large the incision is, a number of number of things. And again, I don't want to get into like trauma surgery because I'm not a trauma surgeon. Okay. I'm the guy that that comes on board right right before you go into the OR, and I'm I'm happy to say hello when you come out of there and I'll try to manage all the other non-surgical stuff. That's what I do. So, but yes, I see the tubes in these guys that they come out of the OR. And back then in 1901, they didn't get the bullet out. That's okay. a big no-no. And they didn't put a surgical drain in, which they probably should have done. Did the now, doctor what, make it there before he died on the train? No. no. Well, okay. No. Hang on a second. Sorry. He he made it there before he died. Yes, I'm getting ahead okay. of myself. You're making me get ahead of myself. Sorry, so, I'm so, so curious. The shot, right? We we're we we're September 6th. Boom, boom, boom. Two shots, right? And now we're getting to September the 10th. They they take McKinley over to one of his friends' house where they they put him in the bed, and then um, so September the 10th, he's drinking some beef broth, right? He's okay. on the mend. This guy's yeah. ex army. He was in the Civil War. Like, all right, William McKinley, he's trucking along. He's got a bullet in him with no surgical drain. Probably not a big deal. September 11th rolls around. He has some toast. Oh, my God. This guy's having solid food now for a uh, for a recent trauma. Looking good. September 14th, big decline. Steady decline. Horrible decline. That's when and the lead hit him, right? He no, It's not lead poisoning, Sean Esquire. This is intra-abdominal gangrene, which is really? what you would expect from a bullet that wasn't removed, from a surgical site that didn't have a drain, from a patient who obviously needed IV antibiotics, if nothing else, because he had all of those things that I just mentioned. So, I'm very I'm very confused at this. So you get shot, mm -hmm. it ruptures some veins. Yeah. Is the gangrene from the blood filling the abdominal area and then mixing with the lead? I have no reason to believe that he had significant vascular damage. The fact that he made it all the way to September the 14th, eight days later. Okay. If, he, if, if, if any, like I say, real vasculature, if any real significant vasculature had been nicked or whatever from the bullet, mm -hmm. he would have just, he would have bled out. He would have not have, he would okay, not so have. So he didn't die from bleeding out. This was really? just from the, what's, what's in there if it's not blood, just water and fluid. All right. So who knows exactly what the bullet nicked and didn't nick. Uh, it, it may have nicked bowel. Right, you don't need a okay. huge nicking of the bowel, and then you've got stool in your intraabdominal. That's never that's not good for anybody. That's... I don't re I don't recommend that. So that's a possibility of uh, what exactly did the did the bullet nick or put a hole in or whatever else. So okay, highly... so now they put the drain for all that stuff. No drain. No, no, but no... Na nowadays, nowadays. N well, now, yeah. First of all, you wouldn't. You would. Do your best not to leave a foreign object. And, and and not to say it doesn't happen. It does happen. There's people that, you know, I've got shrapnel in my leg from Vietnam. Right, those Vietnam you know. guys, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that. Yeah, those 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 people exist. They're walking around. For 1901, this guy's got a, a 32 caliber bullet stuck in him over, you know, left upper quadrant area right over there by pancreas. Uh, no, no drain, no IV antibiotics, none of that stuff. That means mortality rate goes from... 80% to 90% to 99% and then and then here we are in September, his case 100% September 14th big decline he knows it's his time because and this is something I see all the time people 
when people are in the end, the last chapter of their life, very, very, very often they know. So he speaks to his wife again. He loved this lady. Speaks to his wife, he says, and, and, uh, you know, he's, Hey, um, this is my time. She's very, I want to go with him. And then obviously he's got friends and family at bedside. And then he sings nearer my God to thee, I guess is one of his favorite songs. Very don't, religious guy. Don't know it, but okay. Right. <laughs> not my, not my jams, but you know, not for everyone. So like I said, intro abdominal gangrene, his last words, William McKinley, September 14, 1901. Goodbye to all. It is God's way. His will be done, not ours. That's William McKinley. Uh, what happened to the guy that shot him? <laughs> he got a he got a rock star like a Johnny Cochran dude, mm-hmm. and uh, he got time served. Uh, oh, okay. Fifty dollar fine. Okay. You know, glove, glove don't fit. Must have must quit. have quit. Yeah. And um, there was there's a lot of you know like circumstantial. Like, oh, well, I think it was a Polish guy. And, and that, that defense attorney, he just, he just ruled them. Uh, Leon, Leon Sholgich, uh, took the jury of 30 minutes to, to get, to get guilty. That's never good. Never good. The jury said they only took that long because they wanted to review the evidence a couple more times. So they, they really, (laughs) they could have been in and out of there in 10 minutes. Uh, he refused, he refused to repent. He didn't want to talk to the, they sent the priest to the prison, a couple, a couple priests to the prison a couple times. And, um, he's has a number of quotes. He basically is quoted as saying, I did my duty, you know, that he was an, he was an anarchist and, mm-hmm. um, refused, uh, this and this and this, he got the electric chair. Like I said, that was, that oh. was the way, the way they no did hanging. it back then. Right. No, they were very proud of their electric chair back in the early 20th century. Your, your guys got the electric chair. Probably has more watts than the Voyager two. Two two shocks on this gentleman, okay. on on this uh, horrible anarchist murderer. Sorry, what is and, it? It's uh, not the watts that'll get you; it's the amps. I believe. Mm, yes, yes. You know what? The, you know, high amperage is not good. Right. There's a. They did back in those days. They did an autopsy. They did an autopsy of his brain because. I don't know if phrenology was still a thing back then, but they didn't know what the hell they were looking at, by the way. I can't believe that they had an autopsy on, their, on his brain and they were like, oh, look, here's evidence of neurosyphilis for, you know, I'm, I'm not buying. I mean, they, they could tell like a, a phenomenally abnormal brain to the brains they looked at. You know, there's a mm-hmm. number of things that like. A this brain's red. Know. It's a communist. Right. Yeah, it's the smooth brain and it's thing. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they made, they made a death mask. Right, they did that back then. They probably did that on your oh, guys. Oh, the letter like hockey mask style. They didn't. Right. Who knows what happened to the death mask? And then when they they, they put his body in the coffin, uh, and filled the coffin with sulfuric acid. Right. Oh. So here's another thing. So uh, everybody knows John Wilkes Booth shot Abe Lincoln, mm-hmm. and then there's a number of theories that I mean, it's cons- conspiracy theories that he got away, whatever. And and then eventually they buried him. John Wilkes Booth was. Like the most famous actor back then. That's like Brad Pitt shooting Joe Biden now. So there, there's no story that I know of that they're like, this son of a bitch shot the president, fill his coffin with acid. So that's what they did on this guy. They filled his coffin with sulfuric acid. Uh, I think they buried him at the prison and the prison's no longer there. So now he's at an unmarked grave. And then the site where McKinley was actually shot, you think there's like a big building there, like marble statue and everything? 
in Buffalo, uh, New York, where you shot? No, it's probably a plaque. It's a little plaque. It's on a little stone. It's in the median. It, there's a neighborhood there. There's nothing that you would think that Here this is Here lies the resting spot where William McKinley yeah, was assassinated. Yeah, yeah, four presidents have been assassinated. One of them, he gets a little plaque on a rock in a freaking median in a neighborhood. There's streets. It is the median between two lanes. That's that's where McKinley's classic Buffalo, is. New York. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, this um, the assassination it led to the 1903 Immigration Act, right? So, oh, there you go. Country decided that it hates. Uh, and it's then so the 19, 1903 Immigration Act. This was the first federal law since 1798, where the 1798 Alien and Sedition Act, where you could just basically judge people on their beliefs and their associations and say. Do you know an anarchist? And like, oh yeah, yeah. Back in Italy, my friend's neighbor like can't come to America. Nope, you're out. <laughs> that's that's. So they hadn't done that since 1798. Uh, Leon uh, Sholash shoots McKinley, and this ushers in a whole era leading up to your guys regarding anti-anarchist, anti-immigrants. All even though, by the way, Sholash is not an immigrant, born in Detroit, Michigan. Even though his his uh, he had a very immigrant name. So mm. that's how. Well, his uh, parents probably came from Poland. That's what they were thinking. Parents from Poland, and uh, he was born in the U.S. And so, but he had a very Polish name. So uh, the media, public relations, they were like, "Boo immigrants, boo anarchists for sure." Mm -hmm. Like, if we, how many presidents do we have to have killed? And then who takes over for um, for uh, William McKinley after he gets shot? Who's his vice president? I don't know. Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, Teddy. Theodore, Theodore, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. He's the youngest president, right? 42 years old at the time. And uh, he uh, is the first president who uh, they are like, hey, hey, everyone, from now on, 24-hour Secret Service detail. <laughs> it, took, it took three presidents to get gunned down before they said, hey, Secret Service, uh, I know you guys are crazy about counterfeit money, and that's cool. You guys can do that. But can you, like, uh, have another department where you protect the goddamn president, like, 24-7? <laughs> They're like, can we do it a 9 to 5, you know, Monday yeah. through Friday? Like, I'm <laughs> counting money the other times. Three presidents assassinated before they said, maybe our guy, like our head guy, should have 24-7 protection. It's a real thing that happened. So, uh, that's a that's a huge loss, and it's very unfortunate that that William McKinley McKinley is not remembered uh, more because obviously right. everyone no, remembers Teddy. Very very decent guy. Yeah. So that's that's part of the story is they feel like Teddy rolled in after McKinley, and he was a rock star president. He was a rough right. rider. And by the way, guess who set the stage for Teddy for Teddy Roosevelt? McKinley, when he was, you know, Which, taking on the Sp Spanish-American War, and then I, Teddy went down to Cuba with the Rough Riders and all that. Yeah, I, I think he probably followed up with a lot of the policy that was already being laid. And then I think, like, any time with... It's not just America, it's every country, but we saw this when 9-11 happened. Like, it, 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 there was no Republican versus Democrat. It was, we're America and we're not going to stand for this. And I think probably the same thing when a president gets assassinated like that, it's now we can't let this happen again. This is America. So 
I think that's probably why you saw a lot of the like support behind it. and probably Teddy didn't have to do a whole lot. Like I'm going to continue what McKinley's policies were for his ledge, even though he didn't get all the credibility. Teddy's the one that gets all the accolades for it. Yeah. But I, I mean, think it just makes sense. Well, I mean, if you look at William McKinley's administration, right, he had full he had full four years, and then he had six months of the second term. Right. So his his big thing was kind of protecting us regarding gold standard and the silver standard. There was huge debates regarding both of those things, and then all of the Spanish American War. That the Spanish American War again, like I said, it led up to us getting Hawaii and the Philippines and Guam, and so and and then guess what, Teddy Roosevelt. Because the first vice president for um, for uh, McKinley was not Teddy. There's another guy that died. And then uh, so Teddy Roosevelt got in on term two because he made a name for himself in the Philippines. And like I said, fighting with the whole Rough Riders thing in Cuba. So McKinley's the one that, you know, took care of the Spanish-American right. war. So, and by the way, also, <laughs> side note, uh, William McKinley didn't want to be a colonialist you know, very, very early in his first term, he didn't really want to get involved and huge, huge story regarding how we got involved with Spanish American war. I don't want to get into, but obviously a very decent man, a very loving man, a God fearing man. I, I don't feel like he was a, like a crooked politician in any way, shape or form, huge loss to America. And then we got, and then we got Teddy and then Teddy got 24 hour coverage for three, pre three presidents had to get shot. Right. So, all right. This brings us to uh, 1939. Wiz yeah. Oh, Wizard of the Ooze. Was, that's it. Perfect. Oz. Right. Oz. Let me tell you about this young man. Uh, well, so Wizard of Oz, the movies, 1939, came out August 25th, 1939, written by L. Frank Baum, B-A-U-M. L. Frank Baum. Not like he, doctors. Okay. Nope. Uh, huge fan of McKinley. Wrote a poem about McKinley. I think uh, either right before or right after he died. There's my there's my connection there. Again, didn't okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. So L. Art Frank, Kansas. Uh, L. Frank Baum, very prolific writer. He uh, so the whole series of uh, the Wizard of Oz. I think the first book was like 1900. 14 books in the series from him, and then somebody picked up the torch after he died. He died in 1919 from a stroke. Pretty sure it was a stroke. And uh, the, his whole Wizard of Oz, so the, the first book, the one that started it all, wonderful Wizard of Oz in 1900, right? It's about a year before McKinley gets shot. Okay. Uh, the whole Wizard of Oz thing, this guy, L. Frank Baum, he, uh, he's pretty young when he died. I think he was like 58. He had a, he tried to, he tried to do it with the play. He tried to do it with a, like silent movie. He just kept trying and trying on the snaves. I don't know if, I don't know if it's fair to say he was, he was trying to milk that cash cow. Um, the Wizard of Oz story, the movie, the story and the factoids and everything like that was really, <laughs> some of it's funny. A lot of it's pretty, pretty tragic. I don't even know where to start. I'll start with like the makeup and the outfits and things like that. The guy that played the lion, his outfit was, you know, it's the 1930s. His outfit was made from a uh, lion, lion skin, <laughs> lion fur, right? No, so this is the quote unquote golden age of Hollywood. Sean Esquire, you have to understand the amount of torture. <laughs> the tin man, they skinned a tin man. 
legal, <laughs> legal. No, there's a story there. The the amount of uh, just flat out things that they would never get away with now, you know, flat out, just like illegal, very, like yeah, not just know. mean. We're going to kill and just, skin this lion from the San Diego Zoo. We're talking about OSHA regulations. We're talking about just like full on this horrible, there's so many horrible things regarding the story of the Wizard of Oz movie. Um, yeah, the scarecrow. What, what do you stuff a man full of straw and hope for the best? The uh, the lion outfit sold in 2014 auction for like $3 million. They have the snow in that scene. I think they're like dancing around the flowers, the poppy scene. That snow, Sean, that's asbestos. Oh, okay. That's what the snow is. They didn't know any better back in that early 1930s. I did 1930s. not find a lot of wholesome facts on the Wizard of Oz movie. The original Tin Man that you were talking about, the Tin Man. So they the silver that they used mm-hmm. and had this like aluminum dust. And he had a horrible reaction to it. <laughs> and he had to go to the hospital. I think he got um, this um, this lung disease from that it lasted the rest of his life. So the guy that replaced him, they're like, "It's cool." Well, was it, we're was, gonna, it I mean, was it mesothelioma? No, no, not that. <laughs> no, I'm sure, no. The people that got exposed to asbestos might have gotten mesothelioma. Uh, yeah. So the original Tin Man, they used the this powder, aluminum powder, and then 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 he had lung problems the rest of his life. And the guy that replaced him, they were like, "We'll just use aluminum uh, paste. No big deal." <laughs> No big deal. Uh, and I always so, loved that like metal uh, funnel on his head. Right, you're not going to jab that into anyone's belly. <laughs> like a trauma, a trauma patient. The put, uh, put ju- this oil on me, Dorothy. The the biggest, I say the biggest. That's not fair. One of the biggest tragedies in all of this is Judy Garland herself. Right. So Judy mm-hmm. Garland is 16 years old when she does Wizard of Oz. They fit her, Sean Esquire, steady diet of pills, amphetamines. They put her on like um, coffee and cigarette diet, coffee, cigarette, and pills. Basically, they're like, "You're too fat, Judy Garland. You're fat and gross." <laughs> this is like Hollywood in the '30s. That why you didn't do that. they just cast someone else? So uh, Shirley Temple was on the distinct possibility list, and I think that they felt that she was too young. One of the big things is Judy Garland was really an insanely talented singer for sure. I think mm-hmm. she was a great singer and dancer. Um, but her mom had just primed her from early, early, early on. She was like Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah, and you're then going she's to Hollywood, like, you're gonna get on methamphetamines eat, and cigarettes eat these pills, and coffee. Eat these, eat these amphetamines and smoke these cigarettes. And yeah, so I think the studio had her on something insane, like 30 cigarettes a day, 40 I, I've read reports of 40 cigarettes at 16 years old, right? So okay. She's probably reasonable, on, right? Probably on the casting couch at like 15. So I don't want to get into like, well, I mean, I'm sure it was like horribly, horribly dark. I'll, I'll, I'll get into Judy Garland's story here in a little bit. The, uh, the wicked witch of the West, mm-hmm. um, she, she was a great actress and she was a nice lady. I think she was a kindergarten teacher, Sunday school teacher before she got the gig. She had a whole reaction to the green makeup. The green makeup was a uh, copper. Don't rub copper on people. It made her so sick that she couldn't keep solids down. So she was just pretty much like trying to keep down water best okay. that she could. The scene where she disappears from like the fire, like I'm, I'm the wicked witch. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big like ball of flame and she disappears. The elevator that was supposed to take her down. They, they did one shot of that and the shot worked out great. They should have just that. That's it. 
But no, they were like, oh, let's do another shot. Make sure. So the second shot they did, the elevator that was supposed to take her down, escaped the fire, didn't do a great job. She got bad burns on like her face and her hand. <laughs> right. Not, th- not third degree burns, but still like really, really bad. And then uh, her stunt double was on a broomstick and the broomstick like explodes or whatever, got a huge gash in her leg, <laughs> like gash in her leg. At one point, Judy Garland was like, uh, you know, you see these, um, these uh, reels of actors, they get the giggles, right? Mm-hmm. And they can't, they can't finish the scene because they have the giggles. I mean, Judy Garland's all jacked up on methamphetamines and coffee and cigarettes. So she got the giggles on one scene, I think with the lion and the director got tired of it. And he pulls her aside, smack, just smacks her right in the face. <laughs> yeah. Smacks a 16 year old, physically assaults a 16 year old kid because she can't stop laughing because she's high as shit on uh, methamphetamines and everything. And then there was a whole thing where he's like, he felt bad and he told one of the crew people, like, punch me in the face. Let's just make up for it. Nobody's going to punch the boss. And then she ends up kissing him on the nose. Like, it's no big deal. People get slapped or whatever. It's the 1930s. One of the better stories I like is the story about, I mean, okay, this is the turn back then for the movie, everyone, the munchkins, Zamai, mm-hmm. that's, that's what they go, the little that's people. That's what they call it. We that's would what not they, refer they, to that's them. the 30s, right? And they right. went by that. Uh, a lot of them were uh, from Europe. A lot of them were Jewish. And this is 1939. They stayed in the U.S. They're like, we're not going back. There's a yeah. guy named Hitler over there. No doubt. So the Wizard of Oz, it saved, it saved some little people, some little people, Jewish people. From uh, from death from the Nazis for sure. There was also um, the there's you know really bad story on the on the Auntie M lady. She got older, you know, she had bad bad years later on in life. This is some people have said the most seen film in history. I don't know more than more than Star Wars. Come on, yeah. um, I could see that. The, a lot of a lot of stories regarding the little people. Uh, well, one of the facts is that they made less money than the dog, than Toto. It's not very nice. Uh, then the uh, the Tin Man, famous actor Jack uh, Haley, uh, he died at 81. There's stories that he worked, uh, that he was doing acting work up until the last week that he died. That paste uh, that I was talking about, they did the paste, the aluminum paste instead of the powder. It was, it was not without its problems. A uh, huge eye infection from there. Scarecrow mask, it would melt on his face because it was like latex, so they would turn on the lights. <laughs> he had huge problems with that. There's also um there's uh huge stories about the uh the the little people and the orgies and they were, you know, they had all these drunken parties. That's heavily debated. So a lot of the I say the people that are alive from back no one's alive from back then, but up until I don't know when the last ones died. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever the little people involved, they said, look, it wasn't like huge drunken orgies of little people, whatever. There were a couple of bad apples. They got drunk and they like put their hands up Judy Garland's skirt. Like they said two guys in particular, like out of all the little people, there were two that were just like young and they were on set and they're like, there's Judy Garland. Oh, I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab. She's all hot. She's on high on, on methamphetamine pills. I'm going to grab her. And so, um, yeah. There's the famous uh, story about the little person that hung himself. Mm-hmm. You can see in his the body background. in the background. That, that's a myth that's been put to bed a long time ago. That's a bird. Uh, they think it was a crane. A bird hanging themselves? It's, 
baby. That's the famous scene of them picking apples. And yeah. so, you know, uh, they, yeah, they put that to rest. That's a, that's a bird. They, they had all these birds that were on set from the local zoo and everything. The other one, I think probably my favorite is that the whole Pink Floyd Dark Side oh, of the Moon. Oh, the soundtrack goes to the, the movie? Yeah. So for those of you that want to do, I've never done it. I mean, I'm, uh, there's some people, excuse me, there's some Pink Floyd songs that I, that I like. I'm just, I'm not going to do the whole internet thing. Whatever. So apparently you're supposed to start Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon when uh, To Breathe starts, right? And then the, the plaque that says, I say the plaque, the Merlin Leroy thing fades then that's when you put on the song to breathe and then it syncs up whatever else budget for wizard of oz like, how high would they have had to have been to do that well there's that and then there's like are there any other movies that sync up with anything at all ever that's, yeah no mm. well maybe like, i would i would think about like doing something horrible i would take like a very 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 sad movie and I would just try to put it to like happy music, and I would put that on the internet and be like, you know, <laughs> if you, I'm gonna put this if, Barry Manilow album to The Exorcist. If, if, no, I would go like super sad, and I'd do like My Left Foot or something like that. And I'd be like, yeah, play some, play some uh, Neil Diamond on that. It just lines up perfectly. God, and, uh, love Neil. And so like some show tunes, put on like some, hello my honey, hello my, and then like some, some like horrible. <laughs> dying scene someone's crying like gilbert gilbert grape sort of situation gilbert right. grape mom dying and you just have this really boisterous music uh budget for wizard of oz 2.7 million it was not a huge success and the, the people involved were really pissed off it did I not really take it didn't take off until about 10 years later uh and then they did the re-release and they've done a number of re-releases since then so eventually you know like well over 25 million i think that they didn't really get a huge uh return financially they about they like i said they had to do the re-release 10 years later i think later. that's the case with most musicals i don't like musicals yeah. no 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 i don't you like musicals the, if i only had a break like i'm like huh okay I don't know, man. I'm like, uh, theater musicals? Like, I just can't, any any of that. But yeah, musical. The only musical that I can enjoy, not just stomach, but like actually enjoy, South Park musical. That's okay. my speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, are there any other musicals where like, oh, they're erupting in the song and dance. Great. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just going to watch Die Hard. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Is that a musical? I mean, it's kind of the same premise, right? You have little people. There's songs. Right. There's, I don't know, uh, strife. strife. Like you get <laughs> stuck in a, a tube and you get launched with chocolate. All those kids like ended up deformed or dead, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't watch Willy Wonka again, but I've seen Wizard of Oz probably. And not, not the new Willy Wonka. I'm talking about the original. Oh, which yeah, I yeah, yeah. which I think was just Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka was the new one with uh was it Johnny Depp? The Captain the Sparrow guy? Yeah, Johnny Depp. He was the yeah. new one. That one was not near as good as the old one. The old one you knew he grew up in like impoverished. His grandfather couldn't hardly walk. Well, and, I don't think that you can compare Johnny Depp to um to um oh my god, I can't believe I'm blanking. Gene Wilder. G 
Thank you. Oh my God. I was, I'm sorry, everyone for, for blanking on that. Gene Wilder is a genius. He nailed that role. So I'm sorry. We're getting a little bit of a Charlie Chocolate Factory uh, sidebar over here. Sean Esquire, focus, focus up. Sorry, there. I'm just thinking of musicals that I like. <laughs> no, and... musicals. I like South Park, the musical, and I think that's it. So, okay. you know, that's, I, I can't think of another musical that I would willingly want to sit through at all. They're just but, not that good. They're so painful, man. And the excuse they use to to erupt into song and dance, it's just yeah. like, you know, any kind of dumb thing. I think th there's, I think maybe a musical, at least for myself, it would only ever work in, in a comedy situation. I couldn't yeah. see them doing it in any other thing it's, where I'd be like. It's fine when you're like seven years old and you watch a Disney film. Like okay. I get it, it entertains the kids and you don't know any better. But after that, it's like, I don't want to watch a movie through song. Right. No, I mean, I can tell you, like, even as a kid, you know, any musical situation, like the Christmas stuff or whatever else, any any of that, even as a little kid, I'd be like, oh, my God, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Over-the-top thespians, good gravy, no. Yeah, oh. let's so, let's talk a lot podcasts. Let's just do away with musicals. Right, right. That's uh, what we're getting at. You know what? I'll I'll say one more caveat, and I don't know if we can call it strictly musical. The um the um Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special loved it. I don't think I saw the Christmas special. Loved it. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I I thought it was I thought it was great. Kind of kind of touched my heartstrings a little bit, also. So oh, okay. I got South Park. I get I get one musical every twenty thirty years. There we go. There's there's two that I like every once. Okay. So. I'm sorry, theater people. I'm just not not a musical dude. I like explosions and lightsabers and everything. But uh, Wizard of Oz, it holds up, and uh, I would watch it. I, I would watch it again, you know, if, if somebody hadn't seen it. I'm like, hey, come come check it out. It's <laughs> it, it hold it holds up for 1939. But also, I would be like pausing the movie like every 10 minutes and go, oh, let me that Tin Man. He's got. <laughs> let me tell you about this. As mesothelioma. Lifelong. That snow is asbestos. The the biggest tragedy in Wizard of Oz is probably Judy Garland. I really I, I felt really felt bad that I that I read up on her and, and everything. That um, you know, she had been subjected to pills and drugs from Hollywood as a kid as a kid, as a minor. So it was not her fault that she got addicted to, to pills, right? And then in the course of her life, she went through five husbands, right? When she, when she saying, not just the pills, the sexual harassment from the, I mean, people. no, if you were, you know, even a remotely actress, even a remotely attractive actress in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, there's a casting couch involved. There's a lot of horrible, horrible things that, uh, that actresses, young actresses and you know, that's why I won't, won't go to Hollywood, Doctor Bond. Uh, casting, casting couch. Uh, Judy Garland, just I mean, so many tragedies for her. But the the five husbands. So husband one, uh, I think he like told me she was very very young. I think she got married like nineteen. Uh, he was basically forced her. Her him and the production company said, "Oh, abortion." So they forced yeah. her, and I think her mom was involved. Her mom was like very horrible person just like oh you got to get an abortion because you're an actress and no one's going to hire you if you even look you know remotely pregnant she was too fat when she was 15 
without a baby. They were like, you're going to go on cigarettes and coffee. <laughs> so never mind when she was like a normal 20 year old, they're like still too fat. Uh, husband number two, gay. The story I heard was <laughs> she walked in on him in bed with a dude, with another dude, at least, at least two gay husbands out of her five gay husbands. Husband number three gambled away all of her money. Uh, I don't know if he was the other gay one. Uh, husband number four, uh, caught in bed with her, uh, daughter's husband. Oh, there's, there's gay husband number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Husband number four caught in bed, uh, with her uh, daughter's husband. So, so um, Jimmy Garland's daughter's husband was gay. Mm -hmm. Husband number two. Wait, I don't know about yet. Yeah, Judy Garland, Judy Garland's husband. Yeah. She has two, two, at least two gay husbands. But husband number two was that dude, uh, Vincent Minnelli. And so that's a whole story as well. So the gay dude, or maybe at least bisexual, but who knows what was going on in the thirties and forties. So husband two, Minnelli, mm -hmm. that's Liza Minnelli's dad. Oh yeah. So Liza Minnelli's dad, number one, so gay dude. But after the divorce from Judy Garland, this dude gets married like three more times two ladies and has at least one more kid. And I'm going to assume he was like still being gay that whole time. I understand it was the thirties, forties, whatever fifties. You can't really be openly gay back then, but I just found it amazing that he had kids. Yeah. Right. I just, I don't know how, I don't know how that works, but you're just like, I'm into dudes and you're like, Hey, let's, let's do it. Let's get it on. Cause I like ladies get, get over here. <laughs> I don't know. It's not. It's not fair for them that the that the gay people couldn't uh, couldn't come out of the closet. So tr tragic story on him uh, on 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 Judy Garland. So great, yeah. great story, Wizard of Oz, and lots of horrible things that went into that time. And uh, Judy Garland, husband number five, was a her boy toy drug dealer. Twelve years her uh, junior. And she, uh, I don't think that they, she made it a whole year into that, into that marriage. And, uh, she died at age 47 Ooh. from, uh, from a drug overdose, uh, addicted to benzodiazepines, God knows what else. And she had multiple suicide attempts. So they called it accidental drug overdose. Who knows? I'm, I'm sticking with that. And if you see those pictures of her and her, in her latter years did not look great. So Hollywood chewed her up and spit her out. And, uh, and, and it's horrible. I'm, I'm glad that we have people like, well, we have Weinstein behind bars where he belongs. And I'm, I'm glad that I hope Hollywood continues to make progress because if we talk about the golden years of horrible, horrible Hollywood, it wasn't a decade. It was multiple de decades. I got a hundred years now, a hundred years of yeah. casting couch and all kinds of horrible, horrible, horrible things. So moving on to, uh, to kind of better things, Sean Esquire. I mean, definitely Maybe. better. Yeah. I mean, definitely better than getting yeah, that right. done to you. Uh, current events. The only thing I have on the list is Ken Paxton. Dr. Blom, I don't know if you know who Ken Paxton is, but we've talked about him on the podcast before. This is the Texas Attorney General um, that is under impeachment by Texas House managers. Uh Ken Pax as a sitting attorney general for the state of Texas, the Texas House decided to impeach 
uh, AG Ken Paxton for multiple allegations, abuse of office, um, and currently we're going like, through the like 16, 17 allegations, right? It's in the teens. Uh, yes. And he is under trial now by the Texas Senate, which we, we currently have 31 senators. However, one of the senators is abstaining from voting in this because that is Senator Angela Paxton, the wife of A.G. Ken Paxton. Uh, it's a very, po very political family that she got. You know, you don't want to vote on whether your husband cheated on you and some of these other allegations. But um, so far, this has been the on Monday was the start of the trial. We've seen three of the deputy assistant attorney generals testify in the case. And we have now seen a Texas Ranger, which the Texas Rangers, for anyone that isn't from Texas, it's not the baseball team. It is, well, they are a baseball team, but two, the leading law enforcement agency for the state is the Texas Department of Public Safety. So these are your state troopers that monitor the highway, do their investigations. The leading investigative unit of the Texas Department of Public Safety are the Texas Rangers. They investigate crimes that get submitted to them by outside jurisdictions, meaning like Dallas County, Tarrant County, Travis County. Um, they investigate law enforcement wrongdoings. So this is like your top echelon law enforcement for the state. And they have Walker. Yes. Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger. So, I mean, I don't know what kind of better law enforcement you're going to get. He probably is like the whole squad himself. There's probably just and him and he has like a secretary. It's just him and his right leg and thigh. Um, but what's, you know, I, it's been really good so far. Like we've heard from three of these deputies about the AG's involvement with one, wanting them to get uh, the police, I, I guess, investigative materials from Travis County. Uh, so the whole thing involved this in real estate investor, Nate Paul, or real estate developer from Austin. Nasty Nate. Nasty Nate. And so Ken was his buddy. Nate Paul put a bunch of money into Paxton's uh, re-election campaigns and all this. Well, he got investigated by the FBI. We're talking about Nate. So Ken Paxton decides, oh, I'm going to appoint this junior level attorney who doesn't work for the attorney general's office. We're going to hire outside counsel for Travis County. So this is going to be our attorney investigating my buddy. Why do you do that? So that you can get all the evidence on your buddy and then scrutinize everything from there. So he did some stuff involving the law enforcement exception where we're going to circumvent what the law currently says and help my buddy out so that we can see what subpoenas and what the FBI has on him ahead of time. Well, that was one of the things going on. The second thing that was going on is Nate Paul being a real estate developer. There were some issues with whether in the state of Texas during COVID, you could do a foreclosure sale of properties. So Paxton goes to his deputy assistant and says, hey, I need you to write an opinion about foreclosure sales in the state of Texas during COVID. 
well, him and his buddy, the AG's assistant, and his buddy's assistant decided to write this opinion. And guess what they come up with? Under the current governor's order, Greg Abbott, it says, guess what? We can still do foreclosure sales in the state of Texas during COVID because it doesn't violate any occupancy restrictions. Paxton's like, oh, that's not good because my buddy Nate Paul needs protections here. So Paxton calls up assistant and says, I got your opinion. I need you to change it because this is what Texans need. They need protection from foreclosure sales during COVID. They were like, okay, can you give us a class of citizens or entity that needs this protection? Because AG can't just issue opinions for no reason. And he was like, oh, call this number. They call this number. They talk to the guy. He has no idea what they're talking about. He goes back to Paxton and says, he doesn't know what we're talking about. He says, just give me an opinion that we can use. They drafted, this is the midnight opinion. They draft this opinion on the weekend. This was into Saturday night or Saturday morning. They say, we can't do it based on the law. The AG testifies on the stand that Paxton called him Saturday morning. This was around 11 a.m. on a weekend from the attorney general's office. And he said he sounded like a desperate man with a gun to his head saying, I need you to change this opinion. So that assistant and his attorney said, hey, Paxton says we've got to change it. We've got to spell it this way. Will it pass the laugh test? And he says, did they have like decent, like a, like kickback, like not just paper trail, but just like overall, like this probably a lot of money changing hands here. Well, that's what they didn't quite know at the time. So they draft this opinion that when it, that AG Paxton wanted that went against the law for the state of Texas, the lead attorney who promoted his assistant said, I'm going to put my signature block on this because if this thing goes south, I don't want the guy that I promoted. I don't want his reputation to get tarnished. So they draft this opinion. He signs it. Paxton's like, oh, you guys are great. Thanks so much. Blah, blah, blah. What they didn't realize, there were several assistant, obviously, deputies to the AG. They were all doing things that were requested by Paxton to assist this guy, Nate Paul. They didn't put it all together until one of them was like, oh, I got this open records request wanting me to release information that we're not supposed to. And Paxton called me and said, I need to release it. It was like, who is it on? Oh, it was on this Nate Paul guy. Well, that's funny because someone is the like the whistleblower. Right. I don't know if it's going to be like multiple whistleblowers. It's multiple because they were like, oh, wait, you were working. He was asking you to release information on who? And they said, Nate Paul. They're like, well, that's funny because we were drafting an opinion to release or to stop foreclosure sales for guess who? Nate Paul. So they eventually put it all together and realized, okay, who is this Nate Paul guy that all of us are asking to be, to do things that were against the law? And so that's when they all decided we are going to go to the FBI. We're going to provide all the information we have. And several of them resigned from the AG's office because once they made it known they had made an FBI complaint, they were still kept their title. They were assistant attorney generals to Ken Paxton, 
but all of their work roles were removed from them. It was so cul- oh, culp- culpability or possible culpability. Yeah. Con, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it's hard to say who knew what and when and how much of that is going to come out at all. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're still early in the process. Uh, I, I'd be very, a lot of these things I feel very, very often is like follow the money. So there's, yeah. there's that. That'll be its own, God knows how many convictions or whatever. So there's a possibility that attorney general might do jail time or you feel like that's not even that's not even remotely possible i don't know it depends on what because he's under felony indictment for securities fraud in the state of texas and that's been put on hold because well part of it was they couldn't get funding for the special prosecutors because that funding has to come from the state and who runs the state Ken Paxton and Greg Abbott. Oh my God! This uh, is, so, like the feds have to get involved. Like, it, like, it, yeah, it, there, there is definitely huge issues here. What I think is what I really like about this so far has been if you're a if you're a lawyer or even law student watching the arguments of counsel because we talked about this before. These are all rock star attorneys in the state of Texas, especially I would say the House attorneys that are prosecuting this dick durgan and um god i'm rusty harden both of them exceptional attorneys and i've already started like in my own mind thinking about okay my next trial i want to be the way rusty harden presents his case and not getting upset at the judge like apologizing to judge or thanking judge even if you're overruled it's stuff like that that now i'm picking up that i'm like I understand why these guys are where they're at, Um, even on the defense side. Exceptional. The jury, the jury is all thirty. I mean, my senators, minus minus wife, Angela. Uh, Yeah. So so the senators are not not necessarily like physically in the in the trial. Like they're watching from laptops or whatever. They're like I'm just wondering. They're in the the chamber, the Senate chamber. They're in there, all yes. thirty of them. They are, and Angela Paxton's there too, because the Texas Constitution says all senators have to be present. So she is there, but she can't vote. There was an initial um, one of the first things defense counsel did was offer a motion to dismiss all charges. They submitted their motion. There had to be a House or sorry, a Senate vote on that, which is very different. You don't do this in regular county district trials the the jury does not vote on your motion judge makes a ruling but in this case they submitted a motion that said hey we're filing a motion to dismiss all the senators had to vote on it whether to dismiss charges against ken paxton 24 of them said no only six said yes so it's already looking to me like there's a majority that at least one don't want to just dismiss charges. Now the question is going to be whether 21 of them vote to impeach him. I guess we'll see what happens, but I will update everyone next weekend with what we find out. I'm very excited. I, yeah, I've been watching clips here and there while I'm, while I'm doing a hundred other things. So, uh, unprecedented in, in Texas, maybe unprecedented out, you know, outside of Attorney General for Watergate had to go to quote unquote jail. It was like a white collar walk around sort of thing. Um, well, I guess we can, you want to finish this up on what you're watching? 
Uh, yeah, really quick. Uh, I did finish uh, What We Do in the Shadows is one of like the funniest shows I've ever seen ever. It's really great. And they, I just did the finale. Uh, that's one I highly recommend. I, I want to think back to season one or season two. They have a they have an episode regarding the Vampire Council. Blade is there. Pee Wee Herman is there. Oh. So like basically, they got people that have played uh, vampires. That one scene in particular was probably the funniest thing I watched that entire year. And also, well, so that's I'm done with that, and I highly recommend it. Five out of five stars. Hilarious. The um, and the movie's great also. Uh, and I'm watching Winning Time, which is about the Celtics. Laker uh, dynasty fighting one dynasty versus the other rival rivalry epic rivalry of the early 80s uh, Magic Johnson's like 20 years old in this and we're on season 2 now actors are great actors are amazing uh, the directors do the writing all so I mean it's like they say how much of it is loosely based on on reality um, I think but you can also tell that like oh this is an actual almost word for word press conference from 1981 or whatever. So I'm a huge fan of uh, Celtics and uh, Lakers rivalry of the early eighties between Bird and Matt Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, uh, and I just think it's, I think it's done really great. Every actor's nailing it. And so that's, that's what I'm watching right now. Highly recommend it. It's on Max, formerly known as HBO. And, um, Really, okay. Really the great. only thing I am looking forward to this week is the start of Welcome to Wrexham, season two. So, oh. for those who don't know, Welcome to Wrexham, it's about Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney, two actors, soccer, D- yeah. Deadpool, Deadpool, and Deadpool Always and Sunny. It's always sunny they buy a, a soccer team, a football team in Wrexham, which is in Wales, and this last season. I guess I'm not going to spoil it in case you didn't watch follow the season, but thank you. Thank no yeah, spoilers, I man. I followed on. their their season and uh, it was great. And can I can I say like I did not watch season one because I'm I'm not a soccer guy, although I'm a Deadpool fan. But I did see a commercial, which I'm assuming is for one of the episodes of mm-hmm. season two, and they're like classic Ryan Reynolds that delivery that yes. he does. And and um and uh, it's always sunny guy. Rob McElhaney. Uh, thank you. Yeah, they they just go very casually. They go. So the so the king called, <laughs> and the king, real thing. The king called, and they have to take a they have to take a class or a couple classes on how to meet royalty mm-hmm. and all of that because because I mean Brown Reynolds is basically American. He's Canadian. Um. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious, and I and I saw the preview for that, and, and that has. Nothing to do with soccer. It's just two, <laughs> two, uh, two actors that have two comedic actors slash possible drama, whatever. They have to meet the king of England and they have to learn all of the proper English things yeah. to do. I thought I thought that was really. I I would I would definitely watch that episode. Well, that's why so, I said like yeah, that that be- whole that's what that whole series is. It's not just the soccer side of it. It's all the ins and outs of what they go through and what they try to do. So I'm excited for it. I would say check out season one. Um, If you like sports, even a little bit, but you like all the passion and backstory behind it, I think you'll really enjoy it. So on that, Dr. Blom, 
I think we have finished your first episode since returning to America. I'm happy to be back, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us. Again, if you're new, then uh, stick with us. We're doing history, science, food, space. beer, you name it. Space, space obviously space. We're doing Norwegians. And, uh, and uh, you name it. We we want to we want to do it. We want to cover it. We want to bring you the the real deal stories that the uh, lying mass media <laughs> will never bring you. And also uh, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, please uh, doc law podcast at gmail.com. That's doc 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 law podcast at gmail.com. We're also X. on the site form. The site formerly known as Twitter. I guess everyone needs to stop yeah, saying that. Yeah, you're going to have to just say X or it's never going to happen. We're all, we've all been saying it. We'll just say X. So Doc Law Podcast at, at Doc Law Podcast. X uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Right, right. On, on, on Twitter. Also on our Twitter page, we're going to have, you know, the the beers that we've reviewed and a number of other things. And then we have we have our webpage and, and other things that are blowing up. So please stick with us. Thank you so much for uh, for supporting us and and uh, and tuning in. We had uh, we had growing pains in the beginning, but I, I think feel we're getting like, there. You know, we're kind of getting there, man. I'm really feeling mm-hmm. it. You know, we, we're gonna we've got passion. You've got passion, and so thank you, everyone. Uh, we're gonna keep rocking and rolling. And uh, God bless America. God bless you.